Yeah, like a lot of the on Google, the quotes are from the book. Oh yeah, secrets are lies. Secrets make crimes possible. Secrets here's accountability. An, here's an article called "38 Leadership Quotes and Lessons from the Circle Movie." Wow. <laughs> I think that was probably like written by somebody who worked at the Circle. God, I would hope so. I mean, it talks about like Tom Hanks and stuff in it, but damn. <laughs> Uh, All right, well, shall we begin? Let's begin. Hello, I'm Benjamin Light. And I am Marcus Marks. And welcome to Headcanon. It's our movie and TV franchise podcast where we talk about really whatever. And this week we're talking about The Circle. Yeah. Criterion Classic. From 2017, starring Emma Watson and Tom Hanks. We are going to talk about Black Panther after the circle at the end of the podcast. So if you don't want spoilers or you haven't seen the movie yet, uh, you can just turn off the podcast at that point. See, Black Panther is a it's a very good movie. It's worth the hype. It's a strong I said we're gonna talk about it at the end of the podcast. Hold on. It's a strong thing about representation, but the circle, that's a that's a capital letters important movie. What I'm most scared of is the circle's unfulfilled potential. As if, will it be unbroken? No. <laughs> uh, well, do you have an opening statement? I have a lot of opening statements. Um, do you have one? So, no, I don't have one. So maybe you should go first. Okay. Um, man, this movie, I feel like it gets so many little things right. He's got a great cast. I think there's some really good ideas to explore. Some of the like the execution of like the kind of digital elements with all like the overlays and text bubbles and whatnot, I thought worked really well. Um, but it's awful, and it, I'm fascinated by this movie because it's such a puzzling outcome. It's like, how did you get everything right except you made a terrible movie? Um, I think it's because the central conflict is so kind of amorphous and undefined. And it, it kind of tries to have this like satirical kind of like Aldous Huxley, Huxley-esque ending that it just didn't earn and it didn't execute on. Uh, but I do think it's a good movie to watch and think about. Um, I think there's a lot to chew over both contextually and metacontextually. Why don't you give people who haven't seen this movie the plot? Uh, the plot, such as it is, is that Emma Watson plays a young woman named May whose life is kind of shitty she works for like the power company and like you know customer service on the phone and her car sucks and she's friends with karen gillen karen gillen doing her full scottish accent which is wonderful uh karen gillen works at the circle which is like this fictional kind of quasi like a little bit google a little bit apple a little bit facebook company uh who've invented this thing called true you which is like like a true online identity so you can just live your whole life online it's like Google under, circles under, under one account, you know, um, and they have like a big circle compound. And so May gets a job there and like tech support essentially. And um, she just, I don't know, gets dragged deeper and deeper into the, uh, the weird, almost cult like mindset of the company as they kind of explore ways in which social media can be dangerous, I guess you would say. Um, and then eventually that asshole from the boyhood boyhood dies and, uh, that's great. 
Yeah, passionately I mean, delivered. Um, what would the plot of this movie be? I don't know. There's not a ton of plot, which is the problem with the movie. But the circle's a fucking square. That's that's the problem here. Um, the question, one of the questions centrally asked is, do people behave better when they're being watched? Um, I really like this line from Peter Travers' review of the movie, and that the movie feels dull, dated, and ripped from yesterday's headlines. Um, I, I would a lot disagree of the stuff with talking that. About, like, a lot of the tech overlay stuff, it's like, it's good. It's not necessarily innovative um, just because I don't want to compare it too much, but like you can't not also think about things you've seen in black mirror um, throughout this. I like Dave Edgar's somewhere around this book or hologram for the King is where I stopped finding time for his books, though. I still have love for some of the early ones. Um, his track record was, he is box office poison like pretty much every movie he's been involved with is bombed uh i think it's a fascinating movie just ideas to, and not stories yeah and well just this the plot of this just doesn't sound like dave edgar's uh it doesn't sound like he would be doing this kind of ira levin conspiracy techno thriller um but emma watson as the adorable face of like millennial totalitarianism is is interesting um you've never had a i can't think of a movie where i've had such a likable actor that the camera clearly loves playing a character who gets so tiresome. Uh, little things though are interesting though. The the movie looks like it's shot by voyeuristic drones half the time. A lot of floating around people and getting in there. Um, but yeah, it's like a pseudo strawman argument Frankenstein together from those those Black Mirror episodes. It's like you said, it's an idea of a thriller. It's not so much. A real thriller. There's no, there's not an effective atmosphere, which is the lifeblood of a movie like this. You know, we don't get the full body snatchers vibe that we should have been getting. Um, I don't know if that's what they're going for necessarily. I, which I think but is what part of the are they the going movie. for? Well, the, to me, the, <laughs> that's the, the problem. Is, what are they going for? The problem with the movie is that there is no centrally defined conflict. It kind of seems like maybe they're mm-hmm. suggesting like a paranoia thing, but then they're not really, and it's like it seems like we're on May's side and then suddenly May isn't on our side, um, which, yeah, I think it's just the conflict isn't defined, which is a problem. Yeah, I mean, it seems like half the movie she's just being taken advantage of by the uh, the incredibly fuckable Tom Hanks and also Patton Oswalt. Um, Not the incredibly fuckable Patton Oswalt. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, Patton. No. Have you seen Tom Hanks in this movie? He's incredibly fuckable. Okay. Settle down. Uh, anyway, uh, should we do our top moments? Do you have any honorable mentions? No, not not even one. Not even one. I struggled to come up with three top moments. Uh, I did, you know. I, I say, like, going to this movie for the podcast. I will ultimately say I did enjoy the movie. I, it was not a, an unpositive experience, but I guess I feel like a lot of people who watch this in preparation for this is like, oh, I'm going to listen to a podcast about this or whatever. I feel like if you don't have that goal. <laughs> This is a really boring movie and just badly produced. So in my three top moments are kind of, I don't know. They're not the best. I could probably do better. So I want to apologize to everyone, especially you. Why don't you start? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I have an honorable mention and I wish I had the, I should have written down the whole dialogue for it because it's funny. Um, but it's when Mercer fucking Mercer, just that name is kind of like, like friend breaking up with Emma Watson. And he, I, mm-hmm. I, I wish I had his exact dialogue, but he kind of like, he, he's just like, I'm out of here, whatever. And then he just I goes, do. bye. It's hilarious. Oh, 
Is this where he says, we used to go on adventures and have fun and see things, and you were brave and exciting? Yeah, and then I think he sa- is- after that he says, bye. And he just leaves. Yeah. Yeah. You no, were really brave mean- and exciting. Bye. God. Mm-hmm. What's your mm-hmm. number three? Um, well, of course, it's the moment when Emma Watson is doing her whole like Jenny Cam thing. And she takes her thousands of internet followers through a surveillance camera tour of her parents' house, including where we get to see her mom using a penis pump on her dad. That's um, your number three. Interesting. Okay. Because <laughs> um, Bill Paxton uh, plays Emma Watson's dad, and he's got uh, MS. So This is a really depressing uh, just, final role for Bill Paxton, final movie role. It really, really is. Remember when these two, when we were him and Tom Hanks were in Apollo 13 together? <laughs> well, it's just, I mean, obviously they didn't know at the time this would be his final role, but he's playing this guy who has MS. He like, he shits his pants at one point. He's got the penis pump thing. It's just like, it's rough on the legacy of Bill Paxton. Well, and as you wouldn't in a movie, they don't come right out immediately and say, oh, this is my father. He has MS. So like for the first scene, I was like, why is Bill Paxson's character so sleazy? Well, they're <laughs> the they, way he plays it. They really lean into just like, let's be as like kind of naturalistic and realistic as possible about somebody with MS and like in all it's like kind of ugly, uh, unfortunateness, mm-hmm. you know, which is, I don't know the yeah. tonally the movie. It's like, I don't know quite where they're going to that because there's a lot of potential conflict there that they don't really explore. And so you just, they're just like, Jesus, yeah, this is not. Dad. This is not Jed Bartlett's multiple sclerosis. No, I don't think Jed Bartlett ever shit his pants. All right. Well, mm-hmm. that my number three is, I guess, a little bit similar to that, but it's just the the montage when May first goes fully transparent and uh, she's like walking around, all the kind of chat bubbles are overlaying everything. It's it's funny to try to read all the little bubbles that pop up. There's some good stuff in there. Like one of them, I think, is uh, wiggle your ears if you need to be rescued or something like that. <laughs> um, it's interesting idea to show the the immediate engagement and involvement of people. Um, I find it laughable that she could ever like track <laughs> or respond. Or I'm anything. sure she wouldn't. It's I mean, I'm sure like a popular YouTuber doesn't read all their comments, you know, a fucking or like not. an Instagram person, you know, that. And if they do, they should respond to them like Jenny Nicholson does. Um, my number two is not an incredibly well executed sequence, but just when Mercer dies, um, it's kind of perverse and grows absurd as these things would and should have been better. It was handled poorly after, but it gave me a chuckle as he's uh, evading. It's essentially using the powers of the circle and, and their engagement of people that they can use technology and the wisdom of the crowd and folks can hunt down Mercer because at this point he's become this kind of uh, notorious internet personality in the uh, the ephemera of May and Emma Watson. And so they track him to like a cabin and all these people start chasing him and they're like slapping these little um, gummy marble ball size cameras on his truck and drones are following him and he like swerves out of the way with a drone and crashes off a bridge. And I probably shouldn't have laughed during that sequence, but I did. Hmm. And I'm sharing that in all its glory of the world. Hmm. And that's your number two. Okay. Yeah. My number two is when May just kind of starts thinking aloud during their like gang of 40 meeting or whatever, like kind of like 
what if we created some sort of insane dystopian nightmare society controlled by social media where we enforce democracy on everyone? And it's like it just keeps on going further and further and poor Karen Gillan's losing her mind. I mean, I, I do think the the decision to have Karen Gillan suddenly like opposed to her in that is a little like script convenient, you know, mm-hmm. like there are probably better ways to execute that. But um, I don't know. I, I like the movie when it explores, I don't know, some of the the potential for nightmare societies that social media could create. Yeah, that would be in my like my lowest moments. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that's one of those scenes where you have like, let's have 40 people, the top 40 people of the company all in a room just chatting and talking about the direction of the company. Um, only four of them are, are going to ever speak. <laughs> I mean, it's a movie script, so of course. But still, uh, it, but it, and it's, and it just plays into the naivete of Emma Watson character is she's just unspooling exactly the the mindset that Tom Hanks, incredibly fuckable Tom Hanks and Pat Oswalt want her to. And Karen Gillan is great in that because she's so, like you said, naturally goofy Scottish, but like bottoming out from speed too. So she looks fantastic as always. All right. Well, what's uh, your number one? My number one. And again, this is the uh, indicative of the weak nature of the, the picks that I pulled out here, but it's just when Tom Hanks first shows up and does his first like Tom talk or whatever. His like Steve Jobs one more thing moment, which he nails. Um, he's charismatic. He's unflappable. He's Tom Hanks. Um, he's like setting this great plateau to be this like figurehead character for this company that has a culture built into it. And he's like talking. He's very natural. He's charismatic talking about his, his worldview. And here's this product, product we're going to launch and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of was like settling into this movie. Like, ooh, we're going to have like a real fun like network type satire. Um, yeah, this is not network. <laughs> No, and it just—it's like it's like the last scene of the movie where I felt like there's some there's some promise here after a rocky start. Hmm. Okay. Well, my number one is when Mercer dies because that was the greatest thing that happens in this movie by far. Because God, that guy sucked. Hmm. Idiot just drove off a bridge because he was afraid of running into a stupid drone. It was wonderful. Which is funny because, come on, idiot, just hit the drone <laughs> well you're in a truck i mean i guess we're supposed to see these like panicking like fight or flight type thing because she's like yeah. on the like somehow like on a speaker into his car being like slow down it's me mercer i don't know would i react the same way would i freak out i i would hope i'd be smart enough to just pull over you know well that we'll get to it because I, I have notes throughout this movie but mm. that is a hidden feature to this this camera the sea change camera that they don't talk about earlier the idea is the cameras yeah. Yeah, the, the speakers. Like this, it's this little camera that you can stick just about anywhere. It's almost virtually invisible. It can it has different colors, so it can blend into backgrounds. You can watch people wherever you want. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you can also jack up the volume and speak to people through it. That's yeah, a it's a plot device. I don't. I'm not going to complain about the technology aspect of that. Um, you have low moments. Uh, let's see. Any low lights here? I think. I mean, I have three big issues here. Number one. Or number three, I should say, I guess. Uh, the movie, it's it's aiming for this kind of satirical ending where May has fully embraced like the circles, like nutso transparency philosophy more than anyone ever. It just mm-hmm. doesn't land. I think that's that's a really hard thing to execute as it is, just that kind of ambiguous ending. 
Uh, and it feels like we never really saw the character earn that. Like May goes from being kind of naive but relatable to like a total cipher over the course of the movie. Mm, yeah, I just, um, I just don't think it's it's one of those endings that I feel like a better writer should have avoided and realized like, oh, I may think this is clever, but it's not. You know, like you need to commit to a character and then have them have a recognizable arc. Yeah, my my number four of low moments is leading into that. It's the aftermath of Mercer's death, which I felt like really was indicative that a movie that never found its footing, so it fell so incredibly flat. As it just built into that ending that didn't work great. And at first, I thought, okay, so she's she's clearly playing them. Um, not but, really. But though. then she's not. Yeah, it's like yeah. they don't. They they never earn embracing... that that transition of her character. Yeah. Yeah, she's just embracing the the bullshit that they're selling. Because the movie is based on a lot of general thing of, oh, we're going to give you this thing that will protect your children from from pedophiles. How are we going to do that? By embedding trackers into your child's bones so they can be tracked anywhere they go ever. And so that's, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you have it ranged like by moments or just like little? I just have like my big complaints, you know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you said you had four. So what's your number three? Um, pretty much all of the, uh, after that first Tom Hanks one, all the corporate like talk scenes, especially the Patton Oswalt ones, I feel like Patton Oswalt's a little miscast or just not fully developed whatsoever. But like the one where the politician is going to go like fully transparent after they set up the other like Senator. I just, it just, I was like, this is a bad movie. This is not working. Hmm. That's interesting. I, we may have different perspectives on this movie given our, uh, you know, our mild mannered alter egos, but, uh, all, oh, the, yeah, all the corporate stuff in this movie, I was like, yeah, they nailed that. They, they nailed that scary accurately. Okay. I guess that's, that's my, my issue. Some of the corporate aspects of it, but yeah, my number two, I'm kind of curious about the, uh, the intake quiz with the younger Cordry brother, the, the, the Cordry Sprite, um, where, where like the weird like you know which what's your favorite like Paul or John or this or that early Paul late John yeah early Sonic late Mario bullshit early Mario <laughs> late Mario I'm sorry <laughs> nobody says Sonic what do you think about her do you think that her American accent hindered her at all no I didn't I I'm the wrong person to ask about that because I rarely notice accents unless it's just like extremely note like i noticed karen gillen's scottish accent because she's doing scottish accent but like i'm never the person's like oh that's not a real boston accent like i just unless it's like suddenly like foghorn leghorn i'm not gonna notice i thought she sounded fine i think to me it wasn't that the accent was bad it's that something i i've started to become more sensitive to especially after the 50 shades movies is just when a, a british actor is doing an american accent sometimes it limits their range Hmm. Um, so there was one moment that I especially noticed where I was like, Ooh, Emma nailed the, uh, the sarcasm there. And I was like, Oh, I'm surprised I noticed considering too much of it. Like, I feel like we're not getting the full Emma Watson perspective. I don't know. I mean, I thought uh, she was fine. I just think the writing for a character got really bad. Yeah. Um, my number one moment is just not that the scenes themselves are particularly bad they're kind of perversely interesting like you mentioned in your top moments but all the the i call them jenny cam moments i was thinking about just the constant live streaming of one's life um all that stuff just made me uncomfortable i guess hmm. i guess i'm not the person to ask of will people behave better if you know they're always being watched or the full transparency so you would not want to go fully transparent 
I like to have more than three and a half minutes to myself in the bathroom. That's for sure. Mm. I'm let's go, let's get real. I'm going to need more than three and a half minutes. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, my number two low light moment, um, Bailey and Stenton or uh, Tom Hanks and Patton Oswalt there. They're not mm-hmm. evil enough, but they're also not banal enough. Like them and the, the, the circle company exist in like this weird no man's land of being vaguely sinister mm-hmm. without ever really committing or not committing, you know, mm-hmm. like even at the end, it's like, Oh, we have access to your personal secret email accounts that even your wives don't know about. And it's like, and you know like like are well, they, they are they super villains or did it like they paid off like a a congressman you know or like planted some evidence like what well they 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 vaguely sell it when one of them turns the other and it's just like we are so fucked and it's like but, but about what though you know yeah. like yeah it, it just it, they 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 needed to commit to like a real kind of dramatic tension and they didn't really it's like every so often they seem like they're kind of sinister and it's like we we've seen these movies before so we figured they're up to something but we never really find out what it is and it's probably kind of boring and it's you know like it's probably just like oh they're kind of shady and maybe maybe they did some insider trading or like you know helped like smear a senator like using her personal information but that that's like an interesting New York Times article, but that's not a movie, you know. I think people are just supposed to take it as read that to get that to that level of success, you must have done some shady things along the way. But this is a movie; but, like you gotta you gotta turn up the volume on that. You can't just be like, oh yeah, they're kind of vaguely shady. The movie doesn't sell nearly enough, even their shadiness, even before a specific you know list of crimes. Um, I mean, you you can kind of read. I mean, I guess I was putting my own narrative that was they're leading her on in that top forty meeting. You know, they're like, "Oh yeah, you're just playing in our hands a little bit more." I, but I don't even know. I, also, how many secret channels do they need that she has to reveal? Like, uh, here's the private channel that your wives yeah. Here's the other private channel that no one else knows. Here's the other private. It's like it's just the two of you talking. <laughs> yeah, why not just have one super ultra secret one and then one public one? Yeah. Uh, anyways, my my number one worst thing about this movie is that Mercer just sucks. God, he sucks so much. And I there was an opportunity to create a character that was an in, an interesting counterbalance to the circle. You know, mm-hmm. kind of the the resistor, the the savage. You know, from Brave New World type of thing. But like, he just sucks. I can't stand that actor. Um, he was basically set up to lose every argument. And just kind of be a dick, you know. Um, I just don't think they executed that character well at all. Uh, the truest thing, the truest moment with Merce, let's call it my top four favorite scene, is um, after she first gets the job, he comes to like some kind of towny neighborhood barbecue that they're having. And she's like, You should come visit me in my new job or whatever. She's being totally sweet and nice. It's like, it's never, I think in the book, it's clear that he's her ex boyfriend and they're friendly, but like in the movie, it's like never. Quite in, the, clear. in the movie, it's quite clear that Emma Watson has like put that guy in the friend zone. She's not interested. She yeah, likes yeah, being just, friends with them, but there's nothing there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that they're like hinting that there's never going to be anything there. But anyway, so she's like, "You should come visit me in my new job," and he's like, "They're going to think that I'm there to clean the toilets." And I'm like, "You're right. Mm-hmm. They are because you're filthy. <laughs> you're filthy." And Bill Paxton just shit himself, and he's still cleaner than you are right now. Oh, and it just sets him up as like a whiner. 
you know, mm-hmm. like you don't have to kind of nag and, and whine and present your low self-esteem constantly. Like you, you could be an interesting character who just like doesn't agree with kind of social media or, you know, sharing everything online. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, let's, let's just get into our general discussion about this movie. Would you prefer it if uh, Mercer did have a Facebook page? And he's like, excuse me, my profile image is a, a landscape. landscape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the first thing I have in my notes in general discussion is that to me, it seems like immediately clear that May considers Mercer a good friend and nothing more. Uh, it, her parents keep trying to kind of push her towards him. You know, like, like Bill Faxon is like, hey, why don't you go get me a beer, sweetie? When like he sees that like Mercer's over by the ice chest or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like she could not be less interested. She likes him as a friend. You know, she enjoys her friendship, but there's no, there's no spark. There's no suggestion that like, maybe this will lead somewhere because she like shuts her parents down and they're kind of hinting at it. Especially when like tech hunk John Boyega shows up. Oh, oh, I have some notes about that. Yeah. Especially Um, the second time she runs into him. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, So my first note is there's like a hundred production company logos at the beginning of this movie. That's and a bad I know, sign. Yeah. And you've never yeah. heard of any of them. Yeah. Well, like one of them's like Abu Dhabi, and I'm like, oh boy. Um, the one for Playtone, which I believe is Tom Hanks's company, I really just dis- disliked. Oh, that um, one's bad. Yeah. But yeah, no movie should ever put Emma Watson in a cubicle again. I think she's done her cubicle movie time. <laughs> I and mean, I think she <laughs> she is really good casting for kind of this like young, inexperienced but eager like new employee. I don't I think she's really bad casting for like the weird Cylon that she turns into by the end of the movie. Like and they just that's a really tough transition to make. Like mm-hmm. just that kind of plot line and character arc is really hard to nail. And this movie doesn't even come close. Yeah, don't don't cast Emma Watson as a lemming. Um yeah, I oh, like and if you're note. going to do it, she needs to become full like she, she you need to give her something to chew on and yeah. not just be kind of like this like dazed like tranquilized you know like oh, yeah I'm just she needs, she needs like a psycho fire behind her eyes yeah um i here's my first note about him i wrote i didn't like the guy who comes to fix her engine <laughs> <laughs> so this was the first time you saw it right the so i had watched i had watched about 10 minutes months and months and months ago hmm. okay and i was like uh eh, whatever i'll come back to some other time and then i started to watch it first 10 15 minutes last week as we mentioned last week and i realized the 50 shades so this was like the first time i really sat down and watched this movie yeah okay yeah i saw it in the theater and how many times have you seen it since just the one uh, just just one, you know twice total once in the theater once now okay yeah this movie both times i've watched it 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 fills me with like an existential dread that I've not felt in a long time. The, the, the like corporate scenes, like the scenes with her in the interview and the job training, those hit way too close to home. Those are just like, they make me physically uncomfortable. Okay. Also, the escape that pod. Now you work from home. Yeah, but she never really escaped. Um, the interview scene where he asks her out in the middle of it, Mm-hmm. And then she kind of doesn't know what to say. And then she's, she's like, that's really inappropriate. And he's like, good. Like, what the fuck? You could never do that in an interview. Well, like, yeah. So Karen Gillies, as mentioned, in her full natural Amy Pond voice, gets her this this job. Um, they really hit it from the beginning. This movie feels like a shot by drones. We find out the circle is all about digital ecosystems where you can pay your bills online through your fucking Google slash Facebook account. Um, and then the Cordry 
boy does the interview thing and he's in all of the auditorium scenes and i kept thinking like well, they have a few other employees they keep cutting back to just yeah. to like be a recognizable face reacting to something yeah also this is where the movie really hurt me it really lost me in the mm-hmm. beginning it's emma watson refuses to answer whether it's gif or jiff and i was like emma no you can take a stand well, I mean, in the tech world, that's that can be very contentious. I, I understand not wanting to take a stand in an interview. Would but, you take uh, a stand? Yeah, I would. And? Gif. Thank you. Because it's not a giraffic it's, it's, interface. It's not peanut butter. <laughs> but it stands for graphic something or other. It does stand for like giraffic right. interface. Graphic yeah. graphical interchange format. Yeah, I think. Um. Yeah, so as you get in the elevators at the circles, it's the kind of place where it reads your profile if you're in an elevator and photos of you from like your Facebook page or whatever will start appearing out of digital ink in the elevators. We're going to say Facebook slash Google, whatever, as the, the catch-all because the circle is apparently all of these things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're definitely using the kind of general iconography. They're, they're kind of like they're using apple-like iconography but then like it's kind of more of a google facebook type of company Mm. you know just communicate like this big rich tech company pseudo apple campus with like the flying saucer thing but but really it's like more like i feel like a google campus um so she's starting in like basically customer service with them there's a whole training thing which is very much like that black mirror episode of bryce dallas howard where she's being like percentage metric race rated um i think i've seen that one i've only seen like the first two seasons of uh, that show it's like the first episode of season three Mm, okay the the san san junipero season um so then they do something at the company each week called dream fridays which is basically everyone gathers an auditorium and gets like a, a motivational pep talk from one of their leaders this is where tom hanks makes his appearance he's in his white beard phase when I say totally fuckable Tom Hanks, what I mean is knit pullover, coffee mug in hand, full on Dilf. Okay. I mean, he's he's doing like a modified Steve Jobs, but all the rhetoric he's spouting is much more like like Zuckerberg, like Google. Uh, I can't think of the Google dude's names right now, but yeah, those guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, knowing is good. Surf. Knowing everything is better. Well, they're... They're like, everyone repeating our mantra back to us is the totally generic sharing is caring, mm-hmm. which well, seems that, like I get, I get it for the culture, but it seems like that's really an old, old, old one. The surfing thing is such a classic like tech bro thing where it's like, you may be like a rich guy, but like you have this kind of weird salt of the earth quirk, you know, and I'm just like yeah. to surf, man. I'm not like a billionaire CEO. I surf. Yeah, it's how I get back to nature and the spiritual aspect of it all, and then I'm mm-hmm. I make a lot of fucking money. So I did think the um all the stuff where Annie is giving uh May like the tour, like pointing out all this like bullshit, like oh there's a nightclub and there's like dog yoga and like all this other shit, like that really nails the like they're they're doing a good job, I think, parodying the companies like the Circle that kind of thrive on kind of exploiting and burning out young people. We don't mm-hmm. know any better. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, there's uh, later on in the movie, there's a really funny little bubble chat that pops up at some point, and it, it reads, "No one at the circle has kids," which I thought was like such a perfect diss because it's like, yeah, these these kind of employees, like you can exploit them for so long, and then they eventually burn out, like 
Annie on speed or they quit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, they refer to the, the sheep there as circlers. Um, and, and guppies. Yeah. Yeah. Guppies if you're brand new. So they're going to release a new product. These are basically these marble sized camera balls with real time analytics which mm-hmm. is nuts. And then of course they can also have speakers on them. Um, but they're all like, he's even talking about how they're like, they come in different colors so they can better blend into their surroundings. Yeah. <laughs> Just red flag number five. But yeah, I mean, uh, what is it? Knowing is good, but knowing everything is better. It's mm-hmm. the, um, it's a super imbre- impressive, but invasive tech sold on like this, like activism angle that we're going to like hold people accountable. Um, it's 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 a play on like the Lucius Fox storyline from the Dark Knight, I think to a certain degree too. This is wrong. That, <laughs> that one, yeah. That's an impeccable Morgan Freeman impression. When I finish, type in your name. Wow, you are nailing it. Mm-hmm. Where are the other camera balls going? Um. I, I guess I should ask you, because I feel like we may have different opinions on this, but how do you feel about social media? Like in general? I mean, like the kind of the ideas this movie is putting forward. Were you resistant to them? Were you appalled? Were you like, oh, this is just a straw man. That's not how it is. Like, what was your general reaction? Um, Buried in some of this, there is like a progressive angle that I appreciate. Um, some of the stuff that Tom Hanks says that I, I obviously I think it's just a slogan he uses to lure people in. I I do appreciate the idea of trying to perfect what humanity can do positively. Um, I did find a lot of the stuff that they were ultimately selling to be scary. Um. You know, like like I how they're selling the uh, like the child tracker thing. I totally get why some people would buy into that, but having chips and people that can track their every movement, that kind of thing, worries me because this is more than just like social media. Um, yeah, but it all kind of grows out of that kind of it, it techno does, yeah. utopian futurist mentality. Yeah. Um, so, do, do you believe that you're on better behavior when you're being watched? For a short time, mm. and then and then I mean I can't stop being a monster long term. I mean, but is that real though? Like, if if you are under better behavior because people are watching you, is it better to be that, or is it better to be your honest self, whatever that is? Well, is that not your best self? The one that's being watched. Yeah. Um, if you say that uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald with the action is character, sure, but it may not be who you know, I really am. But would you want to be who you really are or, or your best self? I think I'd probably rather be who I really am. Hmm, okay. I'm just, I'm just asking. Um, I, I, I myself am very ambivalent about modern technology and social media. I think it can be very useful and made some good friends that way, but it also kind of like fills me with existential dread. Um, One of the best decisions I made in the last year is just turning off retweets on Twitter. So I don't see retweets. I deleted my Facebook account. I could not be happier after having done that. So I'm definitely feeling a lot of the 
angst that this movie has about social media. And at the same time, like I could definitely say like, yes, like, like if I'm working and I know my boss is watching, I am much better. And so it's like, it's definitely true that you will be kind of an improved version of yourself. if People are watching, but it's like, I don't think humanity is designed to live that way. I don't think, I don't know if, if you could ever fully achieve a society like that without people just losing their minds. Yeah, exactly. It, it's how you lead to meltdowns that erupt in a national tragedy kind of way. How do you feel, though, when your boss is watching and you're your best self? In quotes, best self. Um, like, how do you, the inner Benji, you feel good? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I work well under pressure, so, you know, I get cocky, I guess. Um, so pressure is being watched? Sure. You? Okay. Does your like cannibalistic nature <laughs> waver? You know, I I have a competition in me. I don't want anyone else to win. Yeah, yeah. Kiss me, my dear, before I am sick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the circle, in case you're you're confused, it's the kind of place where Beck swings on by to play a concert on a Friday night. That was that was just nailed it. That was very choice. Yeah. Um, the Beck Beck is the Beck. Beck is friends with Dave Eggers, so that doesn't shock me. I, I would be—I would not be shocked if he's in the book. I would like, not be shocked if Beck has done that in real life, like gone yeah. and played some corporate events. Um, yeah. The mix in the movie is really weird because during the Beck concert, in which Emma Watson and Karen Gillan are—I don't know—like not more than like ten rows of people back, Karen Gillan is so fucking loud. <laughs> How do you think? may and annie met like in college or something seriously it had to be college because they I love that they're like they're like no we don't want karen gillen to do like an american accent or anything she's just gonna have like her full scottish broke you know oh and i and i i loved hearing her her accent again after seeing her in some things where she's playing an american or doing no accent or what have you um i also loved how she she looks because obviously karen gillen is a model but like she's also got that kind of model physique that's very strange in real people where she's like 110 feet of legs. Um, they commented on it at one point where uh, yeah. May says like, you know, like slow down, like you're all legs or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is funny because it depending on what she's in, sometimes you don't notice that. Like, like there's a couple shots in Guardians of the Galaxy where you realize how much like just bigger, like taller she is mm-hmm. than uh than zoe saldana you know but it's like a lot of times you might just because the way they frame her just like upper body you might not notice that like she's like tall you know yeah well or even it's something like jumanji like she's next to the rock and he's like huge so you wouldn't really notice it in the same way i want to praise like shower praise upon the way they use her in gardens of the galaxy especially the first one i feel like her look and her her whole affect is so interesting in that movie. And they use her just the right amount in that one. But yeah, like they they really effectively in that movie went for blue bald cyborg head and everything, dress her in a way where it's not like the like her skinniness really fits the character. She's she's much more like deadly and live and interesting. Um Thanks, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> which I find so fascinating in comparison to like seeing her like in like the tightest pants possible in a blazer, like bouncing around in this movie. <laughs> and she really starts to just like, it's like, yeah, she looks like she's doing some speed or something. She's having a rough time as the movie goes on. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so Go Girl, like Emma Watson totally goes and makes the first move on John Boyega. Um, it's weird to see like their meet cute in the American <laughs> accents. This is when I really started to notice all the American accents. Um, you you can tell occasionally like he kind of gets, I don't know if lispy is quite the right term for it, but like you can tell he, he gets a little like mush mouth every, every once in a while. Like when he's like, especially when he's like shouting and arguing. Like mm-hmm. you can kind of tell the accent i i love that like he's just got like a bottle of like cupcake wine like buried in the bush in front of him like yep is he just been like standing there all night or is they or, or are there bottles of wine everywhere that he is hidden you know his and yeah, we can talk about it a little bit his his whole character is from a different movie yeah absolutely from a different movie okay did at any point when you were watching this movie i just gotta come out and say it now did you think that he was imaginary? No, although I could see why someone would think that because he, he seems so disconnected from everything else. He, only she has like interactions with him. Mm-hmm. He he pops up like in some of these auditorium scenes, never interacting with other human beings. He spoiler is like the third wise man of the three wise men. Of he's this like company. the was basically. Yeah, he's John Baker's playing the was, which just wrap your head around that. He's the guy who created the original program, True You. His name is Ty, so T-Y, True You. And I was just like, is, is, is this real? <laughs> Has she just drank the Kool-Aid so hard that she's imagining, imagining uh, John Boyega floating around in here? Um, yeah. So I mean, they, they have like some light banter, and then she's like, oh, I didn't ask his name. And then like the second time she sees him, it's like at some other like random party or something like that. She mm-hmm. goes up to him and she gives him a look. She wants the D in that scene. Like she like gives him a look like, hey, mm-hmm. and he's just like, let's go down to a basement cave and I'm going to rant about privacy concerns. Like he is not <sighs> reading that room at all. He's he's got a very specific type of game that he spits. Um, yeah. Way to go. John Vega. Also, John Vega. I don't know if I've ever said this about a character movie. The dude looks cool. Just chilling there, checking his phone in a way mm-hmm. that I don't feel like I've ever witnessed in any other movie. Like he looks like we should all James look as cool Dean, as he does. Check James Dean smoking a cigarette. Like he's just got that down. I like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just want to get a mirror and just like scroll through my timeline, like watching John Vega, see if I can match it. Um, well, especially being surrounded by these like weird, like, you know, flavor drinking psychos. We were all like super into the the circle and he's just like i'm too fucking cool for this i'm gonna check my phone yeah because he's like i'm here obviously but he's also kind of like putting down the guppy nature of her her belief um so then i think we have the like the neighborhood barbecue or whatever um the townie guy mercer really wants to make time with emma by shitting on the culture of her job and to which, and kind of her too yeah yeah but i you really get a sense of of where these two are when she says, I can't help it if you're not social. <laughs> this isn't being social. <laughs> We're at a fucking party. Um, like, I just, I feel like if they had like stolen like an ounce of that, like Boyega coolness and then like found a different actor who could embody that as Mercer so that like, we might like that character instead of hating him immediately, you know, to which I say, all jokes aside, show me the needle big enough that it could take one iota of the Boyega coolness. Yeah. Um, but so, by the way, bad script. Um, Mercer info dumps and foreshadows that the senator is trying to break up the company for the antitrust shit. Yeah, I don't know where like, that's. Oh, okay, I guess yeah. that'll come up later. Um, 
Yeah, so this is where Bill Paxton like pisses himself at the party. I think he full on shits his pants. Okay. I'm committed to that interpretation. I mean, I think it was a wet shit, but that was a shit. <laughs> you're a you're a pants shitting truther. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we find out. Yeah. The uh, the little camera balls are everywhere. It's just kind of discomforting. This is where Pat Oswalt like wafts into the movie. He's like the COO of the company. He's always in a suit, which you know contrasts that. I mean, he's Pat Oswalt, so he's you know Pat Oswalt shaped, contrasted to Tom Hanks in full like pullover comfy dilfness. He's um, he's definitely like he's the one who wields the lead pipe. You know, yeah. Tom Hanks is the friendly face. The COO is the one who breaks kneecaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go into a lot of pet quotes, like fully knowable persons and communication is not an extracurricular. Oh, is this where the, the two people come in to set up her, her account? Oh, the, the two social people is like Matt and Gina or something like that. This is yeah. This is where it gets really like Ira Levin, where they like reveal to her that they know about her dad's MS and everything. These, and those uh, people are fucking horrible. God, that that's but, that whole scene gave me anxiety when they're just like, "I need more smiles," and why aren't you participating? Uh. Yeah, like they're they're basically like giving her shit for not like having more online flair. Um, yes, you left the company when work ended on Friday evening and you came back when you should have on Monday morning, but we had like 110 events on campus over the weekend. You didn't show for a single one of them. It's totally optional, but why didn't you do it? Yeah. Oh, you went kayaking. It's funny. I'm scrolling through your timeline. I don't see any pictures of that. I like to go kayaking. You could have gone with me. Yeah. No, thank you, asshole. Uh, there even we find out like collating data from inside her own body. Um, you just, the thing is, you can't you can't trust someone who really offers up their own openness and then wants a pat on the back for it. I some of the technology in this movie is a little unrealistic, but I feel like a lot of it, like 10, 20 years, wouldn't shock me. So which is why I find this movie interesting because like sooner or later these sorts of ethical conversations are going to happen, you know. Well, I guess Here's the question. Do you believe that technology itself is not inherently good or evil for the most part? It's how it's applied. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think technology is inherently good or inherently evil. It's, it's certainly how it's used, but there are technological achievements that are probably very likely to result in like negative consequences. I think you would say, um, Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I know like a, a lot of people, especially younger people, tend to view technological process as like a purely good thing. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd always agree with that. Hmm. Okay. Like just because um, you can doesn't mean you should. You know, I mean like nuclear weapons, for example. Word. Uh so Patton Oswald, you know, is basically of the mindset in this that we deserve the right to spy on our elected leaders. That's when they've they've destroyed the senator who wants to bust up the company for antitrust shit. Then the nurse from Scrubs comes in. She's a politician who's going to make this is where the movie really goes off the rails for me and like unrealistic. But like she's going to make her every email and meeting available to her constituents, which is not feasible at all. But Why I wrote, not? of course, but her emails. I think there's a sensitive nature to a lot of elected officials' jobs that just 
can't be made open to the public. Why There's not? privacy issues within their dealings. But, I mean, there are elected officials. Shouldn't we know everything that they do? Obviously, that's for somebody else to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm just I'm just playing devil's advocate. But I, to me, that sort of thing is interesting. Like, oh, there was an article that came out last year about like kind of the various ways in which like our current government is broken, or maybe it was the year before. Um, but it, it, one of the things it talked about was how because there are no earmarks and there are no kind of like pure backroom deals anymore that like we're supposed to have like full visibility to everything like lawmakers are doing it's made Mm. it harder to get things done like there's like this like certain kind of special sauce of like limited corruption that helps get things done a lot better and a lot faster than it is with like complete transparency because if you're completely transparent then so many people are going to start complaining about this little thing and that little thing right like you would say uh and have said before chicago and the right kind of corruption (laughs) yeah yeah, they get shit done over there. Definitely corrupt. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I do find that an interesting thing to think about. Like back when, like, because I think it was around like 2006 when the Democrats took over the House and the Senate. Like earmarks were like a, a big villainous thing for good reasons. You know, like it was just like a way of like you know handing out you know money to local congressmen and you know, bridges to nowhere. Supporters. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like that kind of got that greased the wheels, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. is is no grease the best solution? You know, like, is there a happy medium you can find between too much and not enough? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think you could run a functioning government with full transparency. Like sometimes things do need to be private. Well, it just legally there are meetings that go on certain kind of records that are not available to the public right away because of issues they deal with from the, the, the at least the standpoint of other people's like legal privacy. Yeah. Well, I think some of that is like the kind of like techno futurist, like utopian mindset that kind of uh, permeates Silicon Valley there. There is this idea that like, Oh, we'll just fix it with technology. You know I mean? This movie is very much trying to satirize that, not always mm-hmm. landing it, but um, they, this idea that like, well, we, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll do it better. It's like, they're, the reason certain things are the way they are is because we have like, you know, decades, centuries, maybe millennia of experience that has like led us to this point, you know, like, mm-hmm. like something like Bitcoin, for instance, is like, it's a complete disaster as it to use as a currency because it doesn't have all the protections that have put in, you know, place for real currencies over the last several hundred years as we figure out like, you know, various ways that it that you know money can be corrupted or you know scams and frauds and that sort of thing like it's like these kind of techno futurists are trying to reinvent the wheel and like not really paying attention like why it was this way in the past like you know hipaa for example like there's a reason certain things need to be secret i and i general my my knee-jerk reaction is i'm really dubious of anyone who's anti just blanket anti-regulations because some things just tend to be better if they're regulated to the safety of all. Yeah, that's why planes don't fall out of the sky. Tragedy of the commons, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I, I see somewhere today that uh, somebody had made Steven Seagal the official like spokesperson for Bitcoin, which is, like, <laughs> if you didn't know, right. it was, A, if you didn't know it was bad enough as it was, and B, in the pocket of Putin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as we find out that they have Chow Track, 
which they're going to place chips in child, kids' bones to track them and protect them from predators. So Emma Watson kind of like cracks up at this, and she's just like, you can't be serious. And the one person's like, I'm serious about reducing kidnapping, rape, and murder by 99%. Aren't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, I, I mean, that's where it seems like Emma Watson's character is very much like on the skeptic side of things. And it, I don't feel like we ever really get a good reason for her to kind of cross over to the other side. Other, I mean, like she, she, you know, her parents get on her healthcare plan. So that's a big help. And she's kind of like getting, you know, famous and known because she's fully transparent. But like, is that enough reason to completely switch over? Cause it, it seems like the, the main character at the beginning of this movie would find the idea of strapping a camera to yourself 24 seven, like abhorrent, you know? But but would she though? All we really have of that character is that she goes kayaking and she works as a temp for like the water company. Well, they never really have her express like why exactly she goes kayaking alone. It it seems at least in the beginning, it's like well she wants to be alone. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it would seem mm-hmm. to be that's what's being communicated that she wants to go out and, and like cry on the lake and be by herself. But yeah, they never really have her say it, and so she's just kind of a cipher. Like Holly Hunter in Broadcast News, yeah. So then uh, John Boyega returns, looking cool, checking his phone. I mean, it makes sense that he's playing Stacker Pentecost Jr. I'm not going to see that movie. I. Why would anyone? The movie looks terrible. The original was terrible. So certain people love those kind of movies. They're just like, it's monsters and robots fighting. Isn't that great? And I'm just like, no. I don't know. I was never into that as a kid. Yeah. Um also, I think it goes without saying, we're not huge anime guys, so no. Um, yeah, so this is where he leads her. You know, she's she's into it, like you you pointed out, and he leads she her. She gives him a look, like she just kind of like pauses and smiles up at him, and it's he's just like, right, let me take you to my cave to yell to you about privacy concerns. And she's just like, I want to thank you for this. I love following strangers down dark hallways. Mm-hmm. This is the best. So yeah, he points out that the circle's going to start recording at, data. At what point do you think she realizes she's not getting laid? Um, when he starts, well, not not when he's removing all of her devices, like her like health tracker bracelet or all this shit. It's somewhere where he takes her to like the like the water cave or whatever it is. The, <laughs> like the when tunnel. He, when he get to like the the like step ladder, whatever thing they're climbing down, maybe then there's yeah. a there's thing where he says like the tunnel goes for a couple miles but that in that direction it gets too wet and i it's, think it's she's not probably sexy like, at all yeah. i think she's like haha oh jesus i'm so dry um yeah so he points out the circle is going to start recording data on everyone forever all that data is going to be studied and monetized and oh by the way he's the inventor of true you and she's like no because the inventor of true you is like tyson whatever the fuck and he's like hi i'm ty god walking amongst mortals mm-hmm. i might be imaginary he's like you seriously didn't know it was me so then he says that he knew he could trust her immediately he said this girl doesn't have a cynical bone in her body which is obviously true because you're not sleeping with her um it's nice him to say that and i believe him because this is bell and also hermione granger but it's totally not there in the performance <laughs> i'd say she comes across as fairly uncynical um but it's it's more, I think, a factor of like, I think there the movie makes a, a fatal mistake of trying to, it thinks it's building up to a big kind of dystopian twist at the end, 
mm-hmm. that not only does it not like land that twist, but because of that, it never commits to her character enough mm-hmm. because it wants to preserve the the big switcheroo or it's like, oh, you know, like animal farm ending or whatever. But like it because of that, we never really get enough of a sense of who May is. Yeah, she, we see her get sad at certain things and it seems like she's skeptical of the circle, but not that skeptical. And yeah. Yeah, but I mean, this is not Alan J. Pacula's The Circle. It's not Sidney Lumet's The Circle. Boyega takes this from like light and flirty to like goofy paranoia in Three Days of the Condor very quickly and then doesn't quite follow suit. So anyways, the founders of this company, in the novel, they're called The Three Wise Men. I just want to query out this troika based on the actor's real ages because John Boyega's 25 years old. Patton Oswalt is 49. Tom Hanks is 61. Did the other two just prey upon this like young genius computer programmer? Yeah, it's it's a little questionable how exactly this came about. You could you could definitely see John Boyega being a kind of a genius inventor, but you would think that his his um like the, his Tom Hanks partner would be younger. He would be yeah, more like a Zuckerberg, wait. yeah. Yeah. Which I guess the younger you go, the less the fuckability score. I think because they wanted that Steve Jobs vibe, you know. Mm-hmm. So that, and of course, Tom Hanks. What are you not going to cast that guy in your movie? So seriously, if only we got some surfing scenes. Um, so at one point, uh, Emma Watson's talking to her mom on like whatever the Circles version of FaceTime is. I'm sure it has some kind of cutesy name, and she sees that Mercer has dropped off like a deer antler horn chandelier for her parents what he does he makes like deer furniture yeah this is his passion project as if i didn't hate this character i think it's his business i think that's like what he does oh he just does oh boy yeah he's Um, like a he's a salt of the earth guy who works with his hands great uh Mm -hmm. so she's like wow that's amazing she takes a picture of it or screen caps a picture and posts it online. Look what my buddy Mercer's doing. Um, he starts getting death threats. <laughs> <laughs> They're sending me death threats. The way he delivers that line is hilarious. They sent me death threats, man. It's just so like, wah. Like, oh, poor you. You're getting death threats. So this is where he he shows up to visit her and, you know, wah, wah, wah about this. Um, Bye. Yeah, folks are immediate. They're having a fairly normal volume conversation. I don't. I don't know if they were like being too loud or whatever. But folks are immediately there recording this on their phones, <laughs> calling him a deer killer. <laughs> yeah, um, and it becomes kind of cult like, and you start to get a freaked out because like they're. It seems like they're orchestrating things so like she's being alienated and separated from the people in her life. Um, it kind of reminded me structure wise of when. Back, remember back when we actually read Chuck Palahniuk books and mm-hmm. he went to that Ira Levin phase where you're like, this person's not special at all. And it's like the reason that they're treated as a special character is because they're going to be the fall guy. Um, so, yeah, she goes for a relaxing moonlit like kayak jaunt in a stolen kayak. Um, well, it's like turns to a nightmare. I think that's after like she notices that her parents are like struggling, I think, you know, with mm. the, the MS and whatnot. And so, yeah, she gets to go. Like that's where she goes to like feel her emotions basically is like while kayaking. So she does this in the middle of the night, you know, quote unquote borrows the kayak from this place. I don't know why she doesn't own her own kayak. Mercer. Has she always been stealing kayaks? I think she just rents them, but okay. It's like, she just went to the rental place and and took one of theirs. I'm 
totally like, Emma Watson just like I can only get a thrill from kayaking if it's stolen. It's a hot kayak. I would I would I would be shocked if they actually filmed that in the bay. Like I'm pretty sure that's all in like a water tank somewhere. But yeah, she's kayaking out. She passes a little like uh buoy that has some of those you know cameras on them, little true you cameras. And then mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess she just gets hit by a rogue wave or something that she didn't anticipate. I thought that, like a a boat was going to come out of the fog maybe, but no, she just kind of like accidentally flips in her kayak and then like is freaking out because it's all dark and foggy. And then a helicopter shows up and points light at her because people saw her on the tree. You cameras, you know, breaking into the kayak place and going out and falling over. And for some reason, after this happens, it's like, you know, she paramedics, like give her a blanket or whatever. And then it's like cut to her in the CEO's office with, Bailey and Stenton there. Mm-hmm. Like I just can't imagine like if you if you like stole a kayak and like had maybe it was like made like the minor evening news or something like that. Like you show up in Tim Cook's office the next day or like uh like Mark Zuckerberg's office. Like I don't think that would happen. No. Mark Zuckerberg's like, I'm just a totally normal guy who might be running for president. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I'm meeting with these Iowa farmers. Um, yeah, so Tom Hanks is really selling to her the perfectibility of humans. No more secrets, you know, being hoarded. Everyone's potential being realized. Um, they say that she's really impressing folks around the company. And I was like, I guess. Um, they make her the the poster child for the selling the total abandonment of privacy. Because she says secrets are lies. Secrets are what make crimes possible. And they definitely kind of talk her into that, you know, with like the right manipulative open-ended questions and whatnot. But seemingly she believes that, I guess. Like it's it's hard to say when you're watching. It's like, is she just saying what she thinks they want to hear because she's scared she's going to get fired? Or does she actually think this, you know? Yeah. Um, but think about it this way, though. If the goals of the circles people actually came true, I'm worried that every day would be the fappening. Um, well, so, I mean, if if everyone had cameras following them constantly, I I don't know. I mean, it, it's like it's like what would a society have, be like if everyone if everyone was naked constantly? Like, eventually, you just get used to it. You know, I don't know. Hmm. Um, so they're like, "Does it feel right to deprive people what you saw, May?" And you know, that I want to be like, that was super. I want to be like. It sure shit doesn't feel wrong. Totally fuckable Tom Hanks. Well, when um, when he's like, like, oh, my son has um, cerebral palsy. Is that what it is? I think so. Cerebral like palsy. he he can only experience like the world through like YouTube or whatever, you know. And like, it basically like, wow, why why did you deny my son that kayak ride? You know, like, do you feel good about that? That my son didn't go to get to experience the kayak ride that you went on, and it's only in yeah. your memory. Um, yeah. So anyway, not not to go over every scene in this movie, but um it kind of then then it's like her, she's on True You and it has a whole montage where she gets famous and popular. I mean, I, I don't think it was any error on like the Tom Hanks character's part that they picked like an attractive young woman to be their like kind of, you know, patient zero for this new experiment. Mm-hmm. Um she's got all these friends, she starts hanging out with this awful social media people who came and lectured her there, and she's like hanging out and laughing with them. Um she like she moves into the 
like she has like a dorm on campus on the circle campus that she lives in that's all like automated and has cameras everywhere yeah um they get her yeah, parents on the health to, plan from believer to trailblazer um except in the bathroom supposedly mm-hmm. uh like they tout this, and I, I that's another thing too is okay. Wouldn't the company somewhat frown on her work being shared? Is there no sensitive proprietary nature to any of her work? I mean, probably not. I I would think customers would be more concerned about that than anything else. But yeah, but her life becomes like the Truman Show meets that Ron Howard movie of McConaughey. At TV. Um, at TV, there you go. Thank you. Um, one person comments on her live cam. I like to fart in bed. <laughs> There's some good comments on those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like her parents, she comes back from something or other. And uh, that's when she's just like, I'll check in with my mom and dad. And she's also, she's also not just like living her life. She's narrating constantly. Hey everyone. I just woke up and blah, 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 blah. I look amazing the first thing in the morning because I'm Emma Watson. <laughs> At one point, she kind of like, she's like, oh, I get to use my art history degree to like talk about this uh, piece of artwork, this like statue or something and like the artists like protests and whatnot. Like they're really playing on this like kind of, you know, techno ideal of like being able to, uh, you know, shed light on totalitarian regimes with this technology and, you know, witness protests and whatnot and kind of like affect positive change in the world. Yeah. Like, like this is going to lead to a bunch of Arab Springs or something. Um, and so yeah, she comes back from something and that's when she's just like, let's check in with my parents and pop through all their surveillance camera footage. Oh, not there. They're not there. They're not there. They're not there. Oh, there they are. They're in bed. And my mom's using this penis pump on dad. Oh man. And poor, so then she Bill gets Paxton. thousands of people commenting on it while she's, yeah, she gets thousands of people commenting on it while she's like trying to brush her fucking teeth. I did like the um, the first time that she checks in with her parents. It's like right when she wakes up and like they're both wearing like circle t-shirts. Like the dad's got like this big yeah. red circle t-shirt on and like they're both kind of like you can tell they're like a little weirded out but like you know it's like they're getting the good health care so they have to put up with it. Um, yeah. You have to play along. Yeah. <laughs> well because seemingly Glenn Headley's like full time job is taking care of Bill Paxson. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah but it's extra creepy that night as she's like laying in bed and there's essentially all these like digital voices commenting and like hearing strangers commenting mostly positively on her parents sex life mm-hmm. which doesn't necessarily make it better or worse there's like a, a May's mom is like greater than may comment yeah one comment your parents are sex positive of, yeah one comment that's in all of them is uh someone just comments eating cheese from last year <laughs> Um, so at one point, yeah, the the one you're talking about, the, the artist, she's just like, I want to thank all of you who sent frowns to this country that persecuted this artist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, send I'm frowns. sure that she has yeah, a I'm line. I'm sure that the, the, the company was, or the, the government was really hit by those fucking frowns. She has a line. I didn't write it down, but it's something to the effect of like, I'm it, like, she actually says like, I'm sure that'll really help or, you know, like I'm going to convince that government to like do things differently. Yeah. Send them frowns. The frowns and smiles thing, like where they're talking about like, oh, you need more smiles. Like that just that makes me shiver because it's it's such horrible terminology and like a tech company would definitely do that. Yeah. Anyways, um, eventually I'm trying to think like we, we see in the background like Annie, you know, Karen Gillen is like she's 
they kind of played as like a jealousy thing, which I, I feel like was the wrong way to do it. But it's like she's getting more kind of like haggard and stressed out and she's like hurrying around. And meanwhile, I mean, Watson is like this like fresh young face, you know, and it's like Annie's a little jealous of that. They have to they have to go talk in the bathrooms at one point, like okay. Annie was trying to avoid her. Thousands of viewers get to watch Emma Watson get ghosted in real time mm-hmm. by Karen Gillan. I mean, she's literally like chasing her across the campus screaming out her name and karen gillen won't turn around with her like 112 feet of legs um so they they have this like you know off the record chat in the bathroom because she has three and a half minutes for the cameras automatically come back on and she's just like annie i'm worried about you and, and karen gillen's like you're worried about me mm-hmm. i'm worried about the eu but it's nice to know that you're worried about me see i feel like that was the wrong direction to go there like if it was more like i'm worried about you you know, because there is like a little bit of entitlement in the way that May is chasing Annie like that. Like, it's kind of like you have to talk to me because I'm on camera, you know, like I'm on mm-hmm. I'm on 24 hour Internet TV. Like, yeah, she's well, probably like, like know, people people don't do that to her. You know, you have to you have to stay on brand. And also everyone in my life is a supporting character in my TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Like nobody, uh, nobody could ever be mean to her. Because they all work there, and like that would just be, mm-hmm. you know, you get in trouble if you do that. You can't be a jerk to me. She's but, on camera. Yeah. So so Karen Gillan pops out like she I can't remember. She has some great last line right as the cameras come back on or whatever. Does she flip her off there? I can't remember. No. She she like when they come out of the stall, Annie's about to leave, and then May is just like, hey, like you know, cameras back on, you know, like kind of like nonverbal, like please. You know, and so May like smiles and is like, oh, great. Or, or not May. Uh, Annie smiles. She's like, oh, great to see you. And then she leaves. Which is like, I don't know if you're a viewer of the show. Like, have you, you're, are you just like calling Intrigued. bullshit? Are you yeah. dubious? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck happened in that three and a half minutes in the bathroom? These two ladies. Um, So they go to their, their top 40 meeting we talked about. It's like the giant boardroom. It's the top 40 people in the company. They, they call it concept kingdom. Um, so there's, you know, people who are at the table and there's the people who are like at the couches and chairs on the periphery. Um, Karen Gillen is just getting more and more haggard. She's wearing like a, wearing like a real crisis hoodie with her unkept hair and red circles under her eyes. Um, it's awesome. May's wardrobe, meanwhile, (laughs) is getting more kind of like fashionable, professional the whole time, you know? Well, and this is where... Emma Watson is like really drinking the Kool-Aid and, and pitching along as if these are real ideas, but like she sounds more and more naive, like all these people have true you accounts and we should make it a requirement that if you're of the right age, you should be able to vote. We should be handling elections in this country and blah, blah, blah. Well, first and it's like, like first it's like, uh, hey, we could help people register to vote with their true you account. And she's like, well, and you know, like we could we could make it a requirement that they have a true you account. And then we could manage the election. It's just like it, like it keeps getting bigger and bigger. You know, it's like basically like this like corporation government ideal that she's pitching. Well, I, there's a moment that passes between um, Pat Oswalt and Tom Hanks where I almost feel like they're like, I can't believe how well this is working. <laughs> yeah, but Pat Oswalt actually says, well, "It turns out the government needs us more than we need them," which is always a normal thing to say and doesn't have any warning signs there, attached to it there are so many people in silicon valley that think that 
but yeah, so Emma Watson gets to, yeah, there's some, there's a real like Peter Thiel thing happening here. Um, and Watson gets to like talk to herself when she's not around people and have these like town hall meetings that totally lack quote unquote authenticity. Um, yeah, her parents eventually dump her because they need privacy while others are screaming out at her. You're changing the world, May. And then the, um, just the soul search thing where like first they, they use their kind of, you know, internet millions to find like a, a murder fugitive. Oh, 22 countries supposedly agree to have their elections done through the circle. I mean, why would you? shit. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So the soul search. I think you, I think they could get 22 I and mean, we don't know what, what countries those are, but I feel like that's probably possible. Hmm. Um, yeah. So they're debuting this product where they're going to be able to, hunt down criminals in real time collating the data from like circlers around the world. Um, they claim that they can do it in less than 20 minutes, you know, each time they do it. So in they, 10. yeah, they randomly pick this like female criminal. They seem to know her. Uh, supposedly they picked her at random because it's a movie. Emma Watson is like on stage at one of the dream Friday events, talking to the crowd and only kind of occasionally glancing at the screen behind her. But it's like, she knows this woman's life story as if she's, I think I you know, could say that they picked her randomly beforehand Maybe. and then like but also pulled up a file. Yeah. Pat Oswalt was feeding her lines off stage. He's like, he's like, like stage directing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's soul search. And then they're going to do the same thing, but let's find a person who's not a criminal, like Mercer, your well, townie ex-boyfriend, the audience, like the, the circlers in the audience are just like, find Mercer. And she's like, ha, 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 no. And they're like, yeah, Mercer. And they just all start yeah. chanting and like, she, this is another problem I have with the character because she seems gener- genuinely distressed and resistant to this idea. She's like trying to get them. She's like, no, no, we're not going to do that. And like Patton Oswald's in her ear just being like, yeah, go with it, go with it. That's good. You know, um, mm. she really doesn't want to do this. But and then like Tom Hanks just kind of steps out like, oh, hey, yeah, let's 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 bring you and Mercer back together, even though you guys are never dating, you know, Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he's the, sitting that coffee like a six-year-old sex god. Yeah, man, you are horny for Tom Hanks on this <laughs> podcast. What's going on? <laughs> man's got a lot of swag turned on. Hmm. This movie with him and John Baker—it's a real thirst trap. Okay. Um. Yeah. So Mercer, we find out, is not a fugitive from justice, but a fugitive from friendship. <laughs> I, I feel like the movie needed to lean into that more. Just the this psychotic nature of like you know techno utopians you know um i feel like someday this is how we're going to track you down yeah probably yeah so they they track mercer down to his like crappy cabin in the woods or something and he like he freaks out and runs and gets in his truck and drives away and they like put a camera on the side of it and eventually just drives off a bridge and it's hilarious it's the funniest thing in the movie by far soul search is really about turning the masses on the idea of aggressively and invasively shooting people's privacy but so when mercer drives off the bridge when i stopped laughing i thought to myself man his family just won a massive fucking lawsuit you would think yeah how they many own the they circle break? now <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he has no family so they're good <laughs> so don't worry we vetted him he is in the uh, literal definition of the term loser <laughs> yeah, they're like well it turns out he has no family so what we've seen is essentially a victimless crime <laughs> anyway soul search 999 <laughs> um 
So Karen Gillan has gone back to Scotland after almost ODing on speed and Soylent, LOL. Which, that's the funny thing to me about this, is that there's actually a product being sold now called Soylent, so that you can have this movie which echoes Brave New World a little bit more. No, that's a, that's a real thing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm no, saying. No, it's, it's not a, a movie it's, creation. It's a, funny, yeah. it's a funny, convenient joke. Mm-hmm. I, I know, there is a real product in the world called Soylent. Okay, yeah. It's funny little things you could use in this movie is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to say that I read that in the novel, Karen Gillan's character ends up in a coma and part of May's thing is that she wants to use technology to read her thoughts in the coma. That sounds about right. Yeah. She's very, very focused on how technology can fix everything. The movie gets bonkers to the degree that you could literally tell me just about anything from the novel. And I believe it. Well, I mean, there's that point when they're like doing their little like FaceTime and Karen Gillan's in Scotland kind of getting back in touch with her, her, her roots and whatnot, where Karen Gillan's just like, I wish you were out here. You know, I've got another bed. And like, really, from everything we've seen of the character so far of May, it's like, why doesn't she go out there? And, and Except that she wants like revenge or something. Like, I just don't feel at that point we're thinking, oh, she doesn't want to go because she's like, she's fully drunk in the Kool-Aid. You know, it's like, she should want to go out and like, kind of find herself with uh with Annie out there in Scotland. Yeah. So this is where you think, Oh, she's going to go enact some kind of awesome revenge scheme, mm-hmm. but, but really she's setting it up and you think she's lying as part of her ploy, but she's actually, when she says, gee, when this happened, I wish I could find a way to stop people from doing bad shit. Like she's, she's serious. Um, so she goes to the company. They were worried about her. They take the meeting with her. Cause I'm sure they're kind of curious where her brain's at. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like we hadn't heard from you in so long so we got confused or whatever and it's like the mom lets us know it's been basically four days um so i I had four days where they're wondering about their lawsuits yeah well like they're talking about the next dream friday they want to save all the quote-unquote disturbed young men which there goes gamergate and the maga people but i'm like it's tuesday it's been four days since this piece of shit dropped and also like is he a disturbed young man or is he a guy who deleted his Facebook account? You know, like, yeah, it's, I mean, but that's another angle say though. I mean, that's, that's another thing where it's kind of like, you have to read a lot into it. And I don't know if they really like capture that idea of how the Mercer character is now being portrayed as like a disturbed individual because nobody ever pushes back on that. You know, I mean, if the movie was more political, we'd be like, Oh, it turns out he's also an ISIS supporter. Um, yeah, I, I kind of thought it was funny how people didn't really, I guess you don't fully know, but it seemed like they kind of ignored her cause she turned the camera off for those three days or four days where she was just in bed crying. Like why weren't there people camped outside her parents' house? Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised there weren't like more invasions of her privacy. Um, and I feel like cause they, they so, had this kind anyway. of heel turn or whatever, where she's gonna be you know, she's going to make the CEO and the COO fully transparent too. And she's got access to all their records. This is after meeting up with John Boyega, who like gives her all the dirt. And I feel like to really, like if you really wanted to communicate that, like she has gone villainous, like she needed to do somehow betrayed like Annie and Ty as well. And Mm -hmm. instead, like we don't really get Ty's reaction to what she does at the end. I want to say it's not real. Like we never like he's not just like oh my god you've used me and and now you're becoming a monster too like we don't really get his reaction 
even though he like helped her do this, we, Annie is like gone from the narrative at this this point. We don't know what happens to her, and no, it's can't. just like this extremely mild revenge on Bailey and Sten. You can't dock somebody in Scotland. It's Scotland, but yeah, like even like uh, what's his name, Baby Cordry. I kept thinking they were gonna be like, oh no, I'm a furry. Ah, everyone knows. Yeah, but it's fitting because you start to realize, okay. On one hand, this is a movie about two guys controlling a woman's life and then like making her the hip selling point to further control. But yeah, her her redemption slash comeuppance is just like a doxing of these guys. Um, she, so she has followers. Like when the light, the power goes out, she this, basically like, like executes like a coup, basically, you know. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if you can do that in corporate culture. There's like a there's like a chairman there's like a board right that like votes on the new ceo ceo you can't just like lead a popular uprising i mean you could buy a shit ton of shares i'm sure but like yeah like there's paperwork that has certain people in charge of things um unless unless, unless you it's a have something company, i guess unless which i doubt it is i would think with this company but unless there's something in their contracts that basically says like you have to uphold a certain public you know, like you can't act outside of what we consider good morals but that doesn't mean that like emma wants but who knows what's the in the ruler. content of their their triple their triple secret emails oh, i don't know i mean yeah. once you get rid of these two guys maybe maybe the board would be foolish not to install her as their their queen uh but yeah so in the dark of this like auditorium people hold up their cell phones like lighters at a concert and she literally leads them outside into the harsh light of day mm-hmm. and then it's like cut to her kayaking and there's like two or three drones like hovering above her watching her and she just kind of stares up at them and smiles like she's been body snatched and oh she's happy now um and then it Do like pulls this- back to like all these different videos of you know around the world stuff going on it's which like to me that like didn't feel right at all to end the movie that way because like it suggests i don't know like a an intelligence behind that that isn't there like this isn't a movie about ai you know so it's like it's like yeah it's just a lot of cameras but like so what yeah um yeah so the genie's out of the bottle the whole world's gonna end up on one of those screens um there's a a webcomic by Brian K. Vaughn this reminded me of a little bit called Private Eye. It's like set in the future after like the cloud burst and all the data and secrets came running out. And uh, it's like a detective story. But in this future, the private eyes are all like basically reporters. Um, it's it's interesting. I don't know if like this kind of technophobic fear of it really rings true, but it plays into an interesting atmosphere for a story. This movie... Not so much. I mean, I found it. I, I didn't unenjoy or disenjoy watching it, but yeah, not not the best executed film. No. Well, if you could make one change to this movie, what would it be? I would clearly define a lot of things. Um, what in <laughs> particular? The character of, of May, for starters, and and the the company and what they're really after. You you needed, you needed the speech. You needed one of the speeches from Network. You needed somebody to really hit home, like the pathos of of what they're all about. The rather than just a lot of you know sharing is caring, secrets are lies and stuff like that. I just felt like it was too broad. Um. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, if I could change one thing, I would make May like she should stay a pure protagonist. She should be the audience avatar. Like I I just the kind of Animal Farm style ending is not nearly as clever as Dave Eggers thinks it is. I think the the movie Ingrid it goes west. I don't know if you've seen that movie. That has a little bit of the same problem of like I don't know, reaching for that kind of like ironic uh, satirical dark ending that just doesn't it just kind of like muddles everything else in the movie. Like it's like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Like I feel like we should, we should keep be fully behind May's character and we should see that like she's getting in deeper. She's very uncomfortable, but then she's got her dad's healthcare is being paid for. She's like new and newfound fame now. And it's like, like there needs to be an actual conflict where like the circle is clearly doing something that she is against, but like, how does she operate within that framework? You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, would this work better as a TV show? Uh, you know, I think like that's a really easy thing to say a lot of the time just because it gives you more opportunities to explore things. But I, mm-hmm. in this case, I would say yes, because I think the I haven't read the book, but my sense of the book is that it's a lot of like big ideas that never congeal into like a, a story. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you'd have more room to explore those ideas in a TV show and actually like commit to like a plot line. Mm hmm. And it, you would, if you wanted to show that the slow change of someone as they get, you know, deeper and deeper into this like new company culture, you, I think that was more easily executable over like 10 episodes and like, you know, an hour and 40 minutes. Hmm. I, I've only seen little bits here and there of that sh- show, Silicon Valley, and I haven't loved it. And I feel like I w- wouldn't really like Silicon Valley like fans. Hmm. Um, it seems like it'd be geared towards people who wouldn't appreciate this movie just because it features a lot of girls in <laughs> prominent roles. Um, I could be very wrong with that because I have not watched a lot of that show, but it just seems very much about the uh, the boys' nature of Silicon Valley as it is. The I mean, it's I would say it's it's very much a satire of Silicon Valley, which is a total sausage fest. So. Okay. That's yeah, why it's I mean, like there's there's analogies about how many guys can you jerk off and mm-hmm. how that works into like equations of torrenting or or something with video it's video compression. Okay, middle out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, well, let's do our power rankings. I've got um, I've got eleven. Oh shit! What's your number eleven? Do you have ten? I have ten. Okay, my number eleven. And I feel like maybe, you know what? I'm going to do a switcheroo on the fly here. And I'll say my number 11 is Mercer. He's God, he huh. sucks. I hate the Mercer character. I don't like that actor. And I was happy when he drove off a bridge. I I wish we would have like seen the truck explode or something. So let me understand this. He was your number 10 and he became your number 11. I just realized that like th- nobody should be lower than Mercer. Okay. Okay. Well, who's your number 10? My number 10, this is no reflection on him as a person, just like kind of like his small role in the movie, was uh, Mr. Okay. Beck Hansen as himself. Inter- interesting. <laughs> interesting. Okay. Um, my number 10, I don't think it will shock you to hear, is Mercer. Um, just want to repeat this line again. We used to go on adventures and have fun and see things, and you were brave and exciting. Bye. Yeah. He just, this is, I, 
I haven't seen Boyhood. Um, I, I want to at some point, but this actor just doesn't. I have no desire to see Boyhood. this movie. Or the character doesn't work, or the, I don't know if it's the character or the actor. I think it's probably both, but it just doesn't work. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm supposed to identify with him at any point. I don't. I really don't. No. Uh, number nine, I have Matt and Gina, the social media people. God, mm. they're they're just the fucking worst. Uh, this is where I, I guess I could have had eleven. I had double up here. Uh, my number nine is my nine A is Beck Hansen, the rock and Scientologist, because of course he's in this movie. So I had a good chuckle that you had him in the movie, mm-hmm. tied with, according to IMDb, Ellen Wong is in this movie as well, credited as a character named Renata, who she I did not remember is, at all. I think she's just like a random other circular. Um, so yeah, I was, I wanted Renata. And Beck Hansen, as the, as you can identify with, to be higher than Mercer. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone should be. Yeah. Uh, number eight, I have May's parents. I just I feel bad for Bill Paxton's family that this was his last film role because it's like it's not flattering at all. No. He shits his uh, pants. Number... <laughs> you will make sure people know the truth about that. There's shit everywhere. I don't want you to think that he just peed his pants. He yeah. did not. I mean, he might have peed his pants, but he also shit his pants. Mm-hmm. He's carrying a load. This real, real, real saggy jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, is it his house or is it other people's house where they're having that barbecue? I think it's his house. Okay. Um, my number eight is Nate Cordry. Uh, I kept expecting more from this character, like I said, because you see him in every crowd scene. So I kept wondering, are there like deleted scenes in this movie? If not, I guess I, I'm I'm okay with the idea of. I think they just wanted recognizable like faces, I, which I, I think is an admirable idea. It's one of those things you always talk about in movies. So, whatever. Nate Cordry is my number eight. Okay, number seven. I had Stenton, aka Patton Oswalt. Mm. Um, he's kind of like, like uh, pudgy Tim Cook without the accent, I guess. Um, but he's he's the the meaner, more cynical. Less, you know, good-hearted COO. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's playing the Danny DeVito, the Tom Hanks is Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they're, they're twins reboot. Um, my number seven is Gina and Matt. Like you said, the the heavies for updating the online flair to your to Emma Watson's social media profile. Uh, cringeworthy for sure, but like. I don't know. Effective. I mean, I, I think that's you're supposed I, to be uncomfortable with them. Yeah, I just I don't know. as somebody who's like an introvert and somewhat antisocial, I just like despise their characters. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. Number six, I had Dan, the interviewer, aka Nate Cordry. Um, God, all all the circular people I just found repellent. Mm. Uh, number six, I had Glenn Headley and the late great Bill Paxton. Um, Good actors in a role where they're kind of underused and it's one note. And like you said, it's just, this isn't Heath Ledger playing the Joker. You know, it's, um, this is an actor who, you know, not not like I love Bill Pax or anything, but he's a memorable Hollywood figure. And I kind of wish game over, man. This had been better. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, number five have Jared, the trainer. Um, something about his move where he's just like, oh, I got 99%, but, uh, let me see what I did wrong. First of all, how to, to, to have it that granular that he can 
down to like a single percentage point. Like how many fucking questions are in that survey that you can mm-hmm. get to a 99, but not a 100? Like who is taking the time to fill all those like little check boxes out? Uh, and then just say, it's just like, it's like such an easy interaction for him, which like it, it upset me just on like a personal level because like the trainers always like have like these kind of like fake scripted interactions where everything goes perfectly. And it's like, it's never like that when you're really dealing with customers. How did you describe yourself a second ago? Uh, I don't know. Weren't you, you're were anti something antisocial. And what was the other one? Introverted. Yeah. And you work in customer service, which I think is part of the beautiful enigma that is you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I completely forgot about this character when it came to powering. Are we on number five? My number five is Pat Oswalt. Um, I like Pat Oswalt just fine. I think he can be a very interesting... He is never a person that I expect for the roles that he's good in. Um, and I think when they give him stuff to do, it's always interesting. Uh, not that I'm totally caught up on the show, but I've always enjoyed him when he's on like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I think he's interesting there. He's fantastic and young adult. Um, there's just no nuance to this character. This probably shouldn't have been him. This probably should have been what's his name? Uh, um, the guy from, from true blood and, and uh, the second season of the wire feel uh, the, the brain off Dick on stack house. That guy, the, the police, the guy comes to, like the police chief and true Brian Quantin. No, um, Chris no, no. Bauer is what you mean. Yeah. Chris Bauer. Yeah. 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 He plays the child molester and, uh, that was advocate. Yeah. Like, I feel like it should have been something more like that. Attaboy Stackhouse. Um, yeah. Not this. I don't know. I, I guess that's what they want is the cute, cuddly teddy bear. That is Pat Oswalt playing the, uh, how'd you put it? Pudgy Tim cook. Well, they, they even have his hair grade and he's like much more kind of like suit and tie type guy. It is a little bit of weird casting. Yeah. I mean, he, he definitely has like a little bit of that smarm that he projects is kind of like he, he's, he's not drinking the flavor aid. He's, a little more cynical and jaded. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, number four, I've got Annie, Karen Gillan, that great Scottish accent. Um, mm. I don't know why she's friends with me, maybe from college. They never really tell us, but uh, yeah, I would have gone to Scotland with her and just chilled out. Oh yeah. Uh, before I have John Vega, um, dude's barely in this movie. Um, I, I think his character is much more expansive in the, book um he's great with what he does very short term but they don't even play up like the things that we read into about how she's totally into this guy and he just kind of shuts her down with like privacy concerns um and like the parallax view and all that shit like i just whatever um i just like this is an actor who was just cast because he had some heat and this foreign like funded movie needed a lot of heat to get made Mm mm-hmm uh, I would have loved to see his character expanded or just to fit into this or to be totally imaginary. And number three, I had a uh, Eamon Bailey, AKA Tom Hanks, your favorite. Um, he's doing a totally pretty fuckable. good quasi Steve jobs. Um, he was almost too kind of like nice grandpa, like huggable, you know, like, he never seems sinister, even when he like she kind of like busts them at the end and it's like, I got all your emails. He's just like, ha, ha, we are so fucked. But like he's not even really mad about it, you know? He's he's just too nice to be like a truly sinister character here, which I don't maybe that's what they're going for. It just to me, that's just like another example of like the lack of like 
conflict that they commit to here. I mean, if, if you had given us more of those two characters, there could have been something there, which by the way, number my number three is a totally fuckable Tom Hanks. There could have been something there where he's like the realization that the monster we created has just buried us. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you don't quite get that. Um, and Tom Hanks would have been the actor who could have delivered that that nuance had it been written into the script whatsoever, as like the postmodern Prometheus struts out into the daylight. Um, yeah, my number two was May. Um, I mean, she's the lead, and I really like Emma Watson, and I think Emma Watson's doing good work with what she's given, and then like the script just betrays her at the end of the movie. Because you really think, like, right up till the end, that like. Oh, she's just acting this way because she is taking her revenge. And then suddenly it's like, oh no, she actually she just wants to be the new leader of the circle. And like she she is still full of like techno utopian futuristic ideas and like hasn't learned anything. Something I'm very concerned about what your number one is. My number two is also Emma Watson, because uh at the end of the day, it's not really problems of her performance I have. It's problems of the script. She's still Emma Watson, though. The camera still clearly adores her as it's like floating around her in various states of fit and frenzy. Um, I think she would have been a great actor to convey this role better. I mean, we've talked about some of these franchises we've covered before. Case 2 is really good about doing something interesting with essentially like a cipher role. And... Um, I've totally forgotten her name, but the chick who plays Shailene. Anastasia Sta- Steel Gray. Um, oh, Dakota Johnson. From the other movies. Dakota Johnson is really bad at playing that cypher role. I kind of hate to say, would a Shailene have, like, is she the middle ground that would have sold this role a little better? Um, I don't think it's a problem with casting. I think it's a problem with writing. It's absolutely a problem with writing. Because um, I don't think Emma Watson can just play a, a cypher character. I think there's too much life in her. Uh, we should point out that the the guy who who co-wrote and directed this is the guy who did like the spectacular now Shailene mm-hmm. and the Dread Miles Teller. Uh, my number one was Ty, even though you thought he was imaginary. John Boyega, my dude. Um, I, I like that he has wine hidden around the campus whenever he needs it. Uh, is that your move? He's like so confident that like. Emma Watson's like giving him bedroom eyes and he's just like, nah, I got to complain about privacy on the internet. <laughs> he's like, Wait, I like hanging down here in this cave. Like I, I keep working for this company that I despise, but whatever. Well, so the thing is we, for people who haven't watched the movie, and I don't know if you really need to, I don't know if I'd recommend you go watch it, but like his whole thing is that he was not comfortable with where they took true you so they offered him a deal where basically the Steve Jobs deal when he was first with Apple where it's basically like here's 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 a budget like just don't complain too much. That was that wasn't know. the Steve Jobs deal, but yeah. Well, it wasn't that's that. more like the Waz deal. Okay, well here's like here's like total autonomy, like go do go do whatever you want to do. Um we give you carte blanche. Just don't don't make waves too much. Um but it's just a lot of like him chilling and going to meetings and looking really cool on his phone. I'm like, who are you texting? We don't have no concept of who you are as a character whatsoever. <laughs> Maybe he's just like checking his fancy football score or something. I would have loved it. Maybe if, he's like, just like other fine. I, I have no direct reports anywhere. I can just be on Reddit all the time. <laughs> yeah. Just in conspiracy theory chat rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, I would have loved if like somebody else planted the cupcake wine and he just happened to be standing there watching them and then he went and like got it for her. But like he's got like no designs on making moves on her when they first meet, and definitely not when they they meet the second time. And just the we fact get no that it's reaction. Like, it's like white cupcake wine, like not even like it's not like red wine or you know, like there's nothing really sexy about that wine pick at all. I feel like that is the ultimate like millennial wine though. Burn. Um, we don't really get a reaction from him. I don't think when, I mean, he, he aids her into like her revenge scheme at the end, but we don't get the reaction where he's just like, Oh shit. I've also created a monster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So my number one, of course, is Karen Gillan because Mm -hmm. she's a Scottish accent. She's Amy Pond. She's great in this movie. Um, so little do she's like, she's all manic energy when she first leads Emma Watson at one point into Eamon Bailey's like, man cave study or whatever which where apparently just him and pat oswalt sit in chairs and like smoke cigars and make evil domination plans i want that office she's just yeah she's just like i need your verbal like like non-disclosure con- like the consent or whatever and it, i don't know she's hilarious i never watched that sitcom she had of john cho but i kind of wonder if she would be great in like a like a full-on comedy i guess i never she saw your she was good either. in that show selfie yeah okay uh yeah so would you recommend this movie i think you said you would not um i don't know it's a coin toss it's not a terrible movie i'd say watch with some people prepare to have a conversation it's never it's it's not a thriller in the way it should be that it would be engaging on your own okay i would absolutely recommend this movie it is bad but i feel like you should watch it okay all right well, we're going to uh, switch up and talk about Black Panther now. So if you haven't seen the movie and don't want to be spoiled, get out now. So I, I think we should say as well, this isn't going to be like a full discussion with all the power rankings or anything like that. These are just kind of like some general thoughts. Because mm-hmm. maybe at some point we're, we will do the Marvel movies and kind of give them the full treatment. But I uh, figured it's a new movie. Seemingly everyone went to see it, so... Let's chat about it. What did you think of Black Panther? I really enjoyed it. I uh, didn't know what to expect with the hype and everything. I mean, I know it's definitely, a like like we said, a strong movie representation. Um, but I liked it because it was something a little different from Marvel movies. It had a slickness that I really enjoyed. I felt like it went by very fast. Um it's a little bit Dune, a little bit King Ralph, a little bit Dark Knight Rises, a little bit James Bond movie. Um, I just thought it was a really fun movie. Um, I, I kind of want to go see it again, like mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm sure you? I will probably be seeing it again soon. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really good movie. It really didn't feel much like a comic book movie at all. I mean, it was kind of, to me, it was kind of like Game of Thrones meets James Bond kind of vibe of like, you know, these kind of dynastic struggles combined with, you know, I mean, he's literally has like the cue scene with his sister, Shuri, you know, mm-hmm. like getting the new tech and all that. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know a ton about Black Panther as a character. And I, I kind of intentionally avoided like kind of like watching and rewatching and like studying the trailers. I, I, I'm kind of like trying to get into a new thing where like I, I try to be as fresh as possible when I go into a movie. So it's mm. like I haven't like seen the same scene already in trailers like a million times. And so, yeah, I like I hadn't even read any of the reviews. I I saw that it like had gotten good reviews, but that was it. And so I really didn't know what was going to happen in the movie or anything. So it was a, a nice little surprise. Like it, 
went in some ways I wouldn't have imagined. The Killmonger character, I think, was a really good character. Probably the best villain they've had, I would say, in a Marvel yes. movie. Um, yes. Yeah, his his final line, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships because they knew that death was better than bondage. I mean, that was like, damn. Like, that that's a line that stays with you after the movie and just kind of like, I, I feel like the philosophy that he's on the side of there it's not easily dismissed you know no. it's like you, you really have to stop and it's like you're not sure if like you don't i don't think you 100 percent think he's wrong or at least i didn't you know i mean obviously like some of his methods you might disagree with but he definitely has a defensible position in some ways i think well and i think that's the thing is i've seen a couple people who are like eric killmonger did nothing wrong and i was like he did kill some I wouldn't say innocent nothing people, wrong, but, but I think, yeah. But his philosophy is unquestionably, there's something so true and right about it. Uh, the, just the white domination upon black people, especially people from Africa, and, and just using the power of Wakanda to stop being isolationist country and help people like us, which, I mean, to the point that Chala, like, is going to, to do that, you know, essentially we're all one tribe at the end. I mean, he does, you know, but he does try to be a good king and he realizes he needs to incorporate some of that worldview, you know, himself into, into how he rules. Yeah. Well, and it's 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 fascinating because he he shows up, he brings Claw to the one guy, which is what the official people from Wakanda were trying to do. You know, the mm-hmm. official delegation Wakanda was trying to do. He delivered from the one guy. He surrenders himself. He offers himself up to the challenge. He wins. He becomes king. Um, all by the it's rules. It's only then yeah. because they dis. Yeah, all by the rules. It's only then because they disagree with his methods. Well, it's really like uh, T'Challa gets off on a technicality of the, like he magically survived that fall, and so he yeah. doesn't. He never technically yielded, and he's not dead. <laughs> yeah, uh, which then inspires a civil war. Uh, which, is, but I mean, just. It was just a cool movie. I mean, mm-hmm. using a lot of the old like 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 Afrofuturism stuff into like a sci-fi thing. I've seen some really great tweets about it. There was one I really like from Angie J. Han where she talks about like this is a great movie to follow Thor Ragnarok. That's a good movies are in conversation with each other, like one about the rude awakening of colonization's past sins, catching up to them, and the other is this beautiful fantasy of having never been colonized in the first place. Um, this is such a fascinating just in the Marvel pantheon, you know, and like, I guess you knew that Wakanda is a special place. Just if you knew nothing about this character, just seeing the bits in the Infinity War trailer mm-hmm. where seemingly a pretty huge battle takes place there where a lot of these dudes like like M'Baku is back. Um, I sure he's back. Them, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so obviously Wakanda will be a huge deal in the next movie. Um, I'm kind of curious. Where is Captain America throughout this? Not that I need him in this movie. I mean, I, I kind of like. That. I think you definitely don't want him in this movie because no. then, like, the last thing you want in this movie is for like him to show up at a crucial moment to help out because then it's just like white savior. Yeah. yeah. Um, presumably, he has gone back to like rescue the rest of the Avengers from the raft, and he's just like busy right now. Yeah. But I mean, like. It, it was nice to have the CIA guy just being like, you know, I, I need to new be Coulson. the yeah, the new Coulson. I need to be the timid guy who just helps out like in a minor way, you mm-hmm. know, just you tell me what to do and I'll go do it while you guys, you know, maintain everything. But I mean, 
definitely, excuse me, the most woke Marvel movie. Um, some fantastic roles for women. Um, I, I think it does what a lot of the Marvel comics did well is they kind of they take this real world conflict or issue and they kind of dram- dramatize it in like a fantastical way that's kind of easy to digest, but it's mm-hmm. still you're you're getting this perspective you wouldn't have thought of, you know, you know, like something like the X Men, it's crazy superpowers and like you know eye lasers and controlling the weather and all that, but it's also essentially just like you know pro civil rights is kind of like at the core of it Um, well what's interesting too is the the claw character my understanding is he is a raging racist in the comics and you really don't need that because the movie is talking about at all times we're well aware of like the disparity of civil rights throughout the world Mm -hmm. you don't need this guy to be like throwing around like like nasty racial epithets he and and i kind of really liked andy circus in this movie I generally like Andy Serkis better when he's uh, in the flesh. Like I'm, I'm one like of those people mo-cap, who's not yeah. a huge fan of his mocap work. Although I did like him as Snoke. Um, but yeah, like he, like he was in the Prestige. I thought he was, did really well. I liked his claw in uh, Age of Ultron, and I liked it here. Um, he just, just has like a weird, freaky energy. He kind of reminded me a little bit of the the Ledger Joker iteration. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, I think they used him as much as they needed to. I would not have minded if somehow Claw showed up in another movie, but Claw's brother. Yeah. Um, it's identical twin brother. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think all inside jokes apply. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting movie just because like T'Challa is a, a neat, like interesting character with depth. And he's definitely like our, our audience avatar. And yet like, pretty much everyone steals scenes from him. Like yeah. not to say anything bad about Chadwick Boseman, who I think does a really good job as the black Panther, but like, like Shuri is great. Koye is great. Um, mm-hmm. Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger is just like, just taking over every scene that he's in. Like he just like owns this movie, like beginning to end every time he shows up, it's like a, like a thrill on screen. He's got to be, so grateful that he'll never have to do one of those fantastic four movies again. Um, yeah, Mike B. Jordan, like I, I mean, the, the only, the only bummer is that you're like, I've, I've been a late comer to that party. Yeah. The only bummer is he that you, it's like, you can't come back. Yeah. It's, I mean, in the flashback yeah. or whatever, you know, I, it's a concrete movie. So sure. He could come back, but like they probably won't just because they, to preserve that characters in the way it was, it would be tacky, I think, to bring it back. Well, much like Professor Xavier Magneto, you you kind of have the MLK Malcolm X divide between these two guys um, as as cousins and and how they go about the dream. Because I mean, I, I think the interesting thing is that T'Challa, you know, recognizes how correct Killmonger is mm-hmm. and how uh, all the mistakes that his own ancestors had made that whole time. Yeah. Yeah, the dad. I mean, but I was reading some. Um, I have a picture saved somewhere. I want to talk about. Like, there's some great just Twitter threads talking about the design of this this movie. Um, there's there's a person named Weris whose thing on Twitter is like at Diasporic Blues, who really goes into the the design aspects from various like African countries that that feed into the, the look of Wakanda and its people, and it's it's so fascinating. Um, but the movie just it just flows. It just it just flows. In There's way definitely I was, I was a feeling of uh, confidence in storytelling that they're not 
trying to rush and jam a lot of stuff in. There's also almost no kind of wider MCU connections. You know, it doesn't feel like they're trying to like, there's no like infinity stone subplot or anything mm-hmm. to kind of like tie it which into is, the next movie. Which is interesting. Cause I guess someone, I read somewhere that there is like still one infinity stone out there. And so people assumed it would be in Wakanda. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like, they got, it could be, but they don't, but it was like this this movie was free to just be its own movie more or less you know it's like yeah we've seen everett ross before we we have seen black panther before so we kind of know how his dad died and whatnot but like except for bucky barnes showing up at the end like it's pretty self-contained yeah it, it it mostly just follows from one previous you know marvel movie um of course, many people have, have made, I think, probably by now, the Get Out 2 joke of Bradley Whitford saying, you know, I saw Black Panther three times on opening weekend. Yeah. But I was I was watching, I was walking on us and I was thinking about, you know, in the 1990s, we almost had like the Tom Cruise Iron Man movie and the Wesley Snipes Black Panther movie. And Snipes would have been a good Black Panther. Snipes would have been, would have been that would have been his defining role. Um, that is I the think, one thing I miss about the 90s and 80s that we don't get as much anymore in action movies is like they had to they had to be able to do those stunts like if there's if i could offer like one slight criticism of this movie is that the action scenes were fine but it wasn't like oh shit you know like wow look at those moves just because it was it's so obviously cgi you know that like Mm -hmm. like the the okoye fight and like her using her spear was more interesting than like the panther fight just because it's like just a couple of guys in full suits, you know, it's just, I don't know. There's like something the, like less compelling about that. In like the nightclub, you mean like her in the dress when she throws yeah, the wig and yeah. everything like that stuff. That's that was fantastic. cooler than watching, you know, uh Killmonger and, and black Panther fight at the end in full suits where mm-hmm. you can't really see them, you know, like I'm not even really sure in, exactly how black Panther got the upper hand on Killmonger at the end. It was like, he, he wins that fight and I was like looking for him to, for him to do something clever with like the sonic dampening or whatever, like well, use it in like a, he kind of, but I was like, it, I, maybe I need to see it again because it wasn't totally so, communicated to me that like he had like done something super smart and clever to beat somebody who's like a superior fighter, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not set up in the story, but my understanding is that the move he does is basically the move Darth Maul does to Qui Gon Jet. Hmm. Okay. Where he just stabs behind him and it just happens to go in right as the suit is rematerializing. Um, fuck this movie was good. Um, I really like for a third movie, like it's a pretty strong, you know, setup to a career for Ryan Coogler. I'm really curious what he'll, what he'll do next. Uh, I hope they could bring him back for a black Panther two or for I'm another sh- Marvel movie for anything. This movie is making ridiculous amounts of money. I'm sure that he has, he has carte blanche right now. Like what movie do you want to make next? And that's the movie you get to make, you know, and you're, yeah, the um, number the like last... five all time opening or something. I don't know. I was like, this movie is going to make more money by the end of the day than Justice League made in its entire run. Yeah, probably the first and last Marvel movie to begin in Oakland and end in Oakland. But it's interesting because Oakland's also where Ryan Coogler was born. It's also the birthplace of the Black Panther Party. Uh, I don't think oh, any of so, those are accidents. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Stanley has a cameo in this movie where he's basically stealing from T'Challa. And I think that's probably <laughs> the most honest Stanley cameo ever. I mean, my little bit of research about the, the character, I mean, technically it's credited to being to Stanley and Jack Kirby. So basically Jack Kirby, but you know, writers like Reginald Hudlin, Tanahisi Coates and um, 
Christopher Priest really deserved the credit, and that's not the guy who wrote The Prestige. But yeah, just the uh, fuck was a fun movie, and like you said, like a lot of characters steal the stage from T'Challa, and wonderfully so. Um, well, T'Challa is an interesting character because he is the king. He's not like he's at the top of that pyramid, you know. I mean, he, he mm-hmm. does have like his mother or um, the Forrest Whitaker's character to kind of, you know, or his, his uh, father in like the, the ancestral world to kind of go to for guidance. But like, it's not the same thing as um, like Captain America still has like superiors, you know, Tony mm-hmm. Stark still has to answer sometimes to the U.S. government. But, like he Black Panther's the king, you know, like and yeah. it's, it's kind of up to him to kind of set the agenda and like, you know win the respect of the people he rules yeah uh i'm fascinated that like the jabari are still kept in the confines of wakanda that are still like part of the the government or or you know the country um seemingly like all the, they the do libertarians of wakanda or something kind well, of, yeah. all they do is just like show up and complain and stuff and then end up being like massive allies um do you think that the Winston u.s Duke is really fun in this movie yeah, yeah, he he steals every scene he's in as uh, Mbaku. Do you think the U.S. should adopt an electoral process whereby our president can be challenged in moral combat at any moment? Wouldn't that be interesting? Would it be, would there be like loopholes? Like, could you have proxy fighters? Um, no, so like I don't think that would be like, fair. I'm going to have the Kingslayer fight for me. I think it's got to be yourself. I mean, it, America has no nobility, so it doesn't really work that way. Um, I guess but, here's my thing though. I don't want to see Trump take a shirt off. So as long as he can keep a shirt on, like like whatever he wears into the pool, which I'm sure he's a shirt on in the pool guy. Yeah, okay. I'd like to see someone fight him. That'd be fun. I like that the fights were in like this kind of knee deep water. Like that just seems like it would that would be a true test of athleticism to kind of like yeah. be able to still move quickly, like bog down like that. Oh, in all fights in knee deep water should be like overlooking a waterfall. So well, there's, there's, there's a both a, right. there's a waterfall cliff, but then there's also like water coming down too. And then there's like people with spears around you who keep getting closer. Like yeah. I was like waiting for one of them to like get backed up into one of those. Like what happens, what happens if like, like Panther like shoves Mbaku back at his own people? Do they like, do they move the spears aside or do they just like, <laughs> so it looks like you're getting impaled. Well, and seemingly it's it's based on if uh, if one guy lands a successful blow on the other guy, they all step forward. Oh, is that what's happening? So, okay, I I wasn't sure what like exactly like, caused them to move forward, but so I was like, one way or another, this fight would be over in like five blows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if like we don't have a king at all because both those guys just took a dip over the side? Um. But yeah, like like oh man, like Lupita Nyong'o is fantastic in this small movie. I love. Just the she gets rescued and she's just like you blew my fucking cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one other bad thing about this movie does this preclude Angela Bassett from playing Storm once Marvel gets the rights back to the X Men? Yeah, I know. I know. There's, I was thinking there's about like that. a scene where she's got the white hair when they're going yeah, up the mountains, yeah. and I was just like, man, like I remember reading a Wizard magazine like over twenty years ago, and it was like like fan casting for an X-Men movie. And it was like Angela Bassett, a storm that was perfect. Then it's still perfect casting. Like, yeah. Uh, so disappointing. Cause first of all, the woman is barely aging. If that, 
Like time is not finding Angela Bassett. Well, um, like she would be such a good like older Storm. You know, I mean the the Storm character has always kind of had a sort of like kind of elder wisdom to her. Anyways, she's one of the older X Men. So like mm-hmm. Angela Bassett would still be an awesome Storm. Yeah, um, I think if, for a while. I don't think it lasted super long, but T'Challa and Storm were married. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a Hamlet and his mom thing happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The the stuff with like T'Chaka and his brother was really interesting to me. It's pretty Just harsh, all, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, why the fuck did you leave the kid there? Uh, I guess he just thought it was uh, cleaner that way. I did like that Like we we focused on that kid playing basketball down below at the beginning. And it, at the time, like not knowing anything, you're just thinking like, oh, it's kind of just like setting the scene. you know. And then we learn later, like, nope, that's Killmonger. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. that's why they showed us that kid. Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of assumed once I had read, because I didn't really know. Um, it wasn't until like a few days ago I read something where Michael B. Jordan plays a character named Killmonger. And I was like, I know he's in the movie. I, I assume he's now a villain. <laughs> so somewhere there, because it was set 25 years in the past, I just kind of thought, well, maybe that's like baby Killmonger. See, I was trying um, to do the math was. there and I'm like, it, it, it never occurred to me that that, that character was going to be anyone like the young boy. I was like, mm. you know, it was like 1992, I think is when they flash back to you. And I'm like, that seems, I don't know. Could T'Challa be about that age? I was like, kind of trying to figure out like, where in the timeline this puts us you know i guess i kind of my first assumption was that the boy would play in a role because the movie the begins in a a way in which you think that they're actually taking the brother back to wakanda and i kind of thought well maybe Mm, there's something where later on the boy has to rescue his father from like prison but no um yeah i i really hope like shuri is an ongoing part of the avengers Oh, I, she's that actress is blowing up. I'm sure they, I mean, yeah. they could do so much with her. I, I saw an interesting thing where um, they they proposed her as Ironheart, um, kind of the new Iron Man, essentially. Yeah, like Letitia Wright. Like, well, you can't have Robert Downey Jr. forever, and that's not a bad thing. So, like, if 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 we can look at things like Black Panther, you know, as something ongoing to the Marvel universe, I feel like oh we're in good hands for like whatever the next generation is. Um, Cause like it is kind of funny going into these infinity war movies. Like you might lose what's his name? Chris Hemsworth. You might lose Robert Downey jr. And, and uh, captain America. And um, I was talking about what this, they do with these movies. I was having a conversation with my friend about, you know, the insane box office that this movie had. And like, we were wondering like, does infinity war have a, bigger or smaller opening weekend than black Panther. Cause I could really see it going either way. Well, like it is this hugely hyped movie that they've been building to you for like 20 movies, but you know, age of Ultron was too. And that made less money opening weekend than black Panther did. I kind of feel like bigger. You think bigger? I mean, it uh, will have a lot of black Panther in it. So that's a, a draw for sure. And I, I think play that up, but just because you have all of that bullshit where people were posting like the fake, like here's this guy I know who, who's white and went to a black Panther screening and got beat up by these the militant people. It's like, you do have the, like the racist contingent of the internet trying to like downplay this movie. I don't think they're winning um, and then, and fuck them. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. Fuck them. But I think the sad thing is they'll still show up for like the white superhero movies. 
I feel like um, they went to see Black Panther anyways. To like hate watch it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I hope they learned something. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, yeah. good like, movie. And I want to see, see it again. Mask Kaneda in the next Star Wars, too. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I think, a problem with the new Star Wars trilogies. They just have too many good characters, and there's like the central conflicts you know like ray and then like kylo ren is like the the legacy skywalker there's just only so much room for other characters yeah but yeah like i like wakanda seems like such an interesting place uh i look forward to however they're going to explore it in infinity war um it's just because it's you fascinating. have the open Sorry, yeah, so you have the openness of Africa, but then you also have this very like sci-fi futuristic city at its heart. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was gonna say it's just fascinating that like there's this whole idea of like comic book movie fatigue, but it it doesn't seem to affect Marvel because I don't know maybe Marvel like very cleverly at just the right time has started to pivot their movies a little bit. Like obviously mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok is much different than the other Thor movies, you know. Like somehow they made Spider Man feel fresh and new, like. They just keep killing it, you know. Like this movie could be completely standalone, but it it ties in just enough that like you saw Black Panther in Civil War, and you're like, "Wow, that guy's awesome! I want to see that guy's movie." And then there's this movie, which is great. And then it's like, "Well, now you can go see a little bit more of Wakanda and Infinity War." And it's like none of that is really to do with like Iron Man anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting how. Because I remember thinking going into Civil War, like, man, I, I hate that they're kind of like, my, my I guess my assumption was they were just going to like shoehorn Black Panther in. And it's kind of interesting because he had like basically a full, like, I lost my father, I avenged my father mm-hmm. arc in that movie. And this movie, like, cause typically that would be like the plot of this movie. But instead, it's just like this power struggle of like his like cousin. Um, and it works. I guess, I guess being that it's the Black Panther movie, I would have done more with t'challa like finding his identity and i guess you can say he kind of does as as a ruler and like the nate i mean his identity is what should wakanda be doing in the future as as a member of this global tribe um but he does so get upstage and i guess the nice thing about the movie is that he's willing to stand aside build bridges as a smart man should and not barriers i don't know i I, I really wish that line was walls i mean they probably didn't want it to be that on the nose but i wanted it to be that on the nose yeah yeah um yeah and i just i just walked out of this movie feeling like fucking pumped <laughs> yeah if i if i didn't have like other things to do on friday i can't say that i wouldn't have gone back and watched it later that afternoon <laughs> <laughs> yeah i will definitely be seeing it again soon uh anyway any final thoughts on black panther no no just a good movie i haven't seen it um Go, go like see Black Panther have. before you watch The Circle. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. See it, pay for it, give it money. It's it's a it's one of those things that deserves money, and you know that that th- voting. Which I think they're doing it. fine as far as that goes. Now. Yeah, just keep it going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, do we want to talk about what we're doing next week? Yeah, we probably should. Yeah. What are we doing next week? I have no idea. I feel um, uh, I saw a comment somewhere and I don't have it in front of me now, but like, I feel like we should maybe do another good movie next week. Yeah. Like you don't want to do, do too many movie. bad movies in a row, you know, as our, our main focus. 
Um, so let's see, what could we do? I, I'm all for that, considering that my eyes are connected to my brain, and mm. uh, less bad movies would be great. Yeah, so, um, so The Huntsman, Winter's War, no. Um, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> the one without case too. That sounds that sounds vile. Um, I am sure that I'm not pronouncing this correctly. I wanted to thank a listener named Ayeva, who I saw posted something on her Snapchat about how much she enjoys our episodes of Headcanon. So thank you. Um, it's weird to pop up in someone's Instagram stories for this podcast, but mm-hmm. it's welcome relief. Um, let me pull up. I'm just looking at the uh, the little sample list. Um, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. <laughs> That's probably not in the good column. Uh, let's see. What is actually good that has been out recently? Um, I don't want to do Blade Runner. Uh, da, 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 da. I saw another one. Zootopia. I never saw that. Supposedly that's a good movie. Is it? I haven't seen it. I made a bunch uh, of money. I'm looking at your list here. I don't want to do, at least next week, I don't want to do Fantastic Beasts. I know no. a lot of people have asked about that. Um, we'll, so we'll get I to it. I really enjoy it. Yeah, we'll get yeah. to it, but no. Um, Gone Girl. Um... Oblivion is not a good movie necessarily. No. Did Allied get good reviews? That movie looked like a I don't mess. think it did. No, I don't think okay. so. Cabin in the Woods. I mean, I enjoyed Cabin in the Woods. Let me just look through a few more of these. <laughs> Red Riding Hood. <laughs> now you've seen me. Uh, never seen Hannah, but supposedly that's good. You haven't seen Hannah? No. You want to do Hannah? Yeah, let's do Hannah, especially since that's about to right. be a TV show. Sorshi Ronan. Yeah. Yeah. We'll okay, do, cool. We'll do Hannah for next week. And Eric Bana. Oh, is he in that? Yeah. Whatever happened to Eric Bana. And Lady Mary. Oh, wow. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, right. cast just growing on you. Yeah, let's do that. We will do Hannah next week. Uh, until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.